0: Good morning, it is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. Griffin is here. Prince Charles is here this morning as well. And today is a really special edition of the show. We are going to get into some sports stuff, uh, normal sports stuff that we normally do later on in the program. I promise that will happen. But uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, This man doesn't know that he's had a a serious impact on my life. Um, Our guest this morning is a Baltimore native, Um, went to Parkville was a phenomenon as a young person in his own athletic career as a skateboarder and then um life took him in a very different direction and he ended up becoming a bit of a tv star you might remember him from viva la bam uh did some work with jackass crew uh cky And now he is making an impact in a way that I can't possibly describe. And he has a new book out. It's called The Streets of Baltimore. And it is raw, and it is real, and it is powerful, and it is terrifying. And it is a heavy, heavy read. I am uh, really pleased to be joined this morning here in studio by Brandon Novak, who is with us on GCR. Brandon, it is so good to see you, man. Thank you so much for coming down here this morning to chat with us.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, man. I, I always get excited and, and a bit nostalgic coming back to Baltimore and and kind of reminiscing and walking down those <laughs> those roads that I traveled a long time ago. As a matter of fact, pulling into this parking lot, um, there's a, a woman in that book by the name of Alexia. Yes, Alexia worked. For a brief period of time, right here, really at the uh, what's the restaurant right here on the corner? The Glory
0: Days, or Uh, oh no, like the
2: Applebee's, Applebee's, yes,
1: I'm sorry, Applebee's. And I would um occasionally get a ride, catch a bus, or get dropped off here because I didn't have a car, and I would use her car and she would give me money that she had made from waiting tables to go down to Druid Hill to cop. So when I was pulling in here it really and I'm not, it's wow, not even an exaggeration man. took me wow. back to to that time which is uh, uh
0: alexia is a very significant character in uh, the book the streets of baltimore very significant character and i the final chapter of the book was really the kind of powerful to me um I, knowing where you are but then to find out about some of these other characters and where they were was really really important to me all right i i have so much i want to cover with you but i have to acknowledge to you there's some of this is selfish all right sure um four years ago my lifelong best friend died of his own lifelong battle with addiction and when i say lifelong best friend i mean like you know family i mean someone that i was with at all times that was inseparable from that everything we did together the first was together right like that type of person um and i dealt with guilt and i have dealt with Grief, and I, it has been overwhelming. A couple months after he passed away, you spoke at a Rage Against Addiction 5K up in Hartford County. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that you were there, I said, wow, I know Brandon Novak. Like, I, you know, a, a white guy of a certain age. I was obsessed with Bam Marger. I was obsessed with Jackass. I was like, I can't believe Brandon Novak? I, but I didn't know your story. Sure. And the words that you said that day were so hopeful to me about the ability for someone to overcome. After watching my best friend, and, I, and you know this because you detail how many times you went through it. I mean, he detoxed rehab 50 times over the course of 15 years. The number of times that he would call and he would say, dude, I'm ready, it's time, Like, I'm, this is the time, I know. And how many times I was heartbroken and desperate to hope that it would be that time. To the point where I finally believed, literally, it can't happen. Like, it's just, you know, not understanding addiction nearly enough. I convinced myself, you can't do it. It's just, this is the way it's always going to be. Hearing you speak was truly one of the most hopeful and powerful things that I have dealt with in dealing with my own grief. And I tell you that because I get emotional, really genuinely emotional, thinking about that day and how excited you were to be there and how much you wanted to convey to other people look, we can do this. We can recover. Like it can happen. Reading your book terrified me because I was, I know those streets. Yeah. I picked up my buddy, I stayed a few times on those streets just trying to make sure he survived the night and had somewhere to sleep and had somewhere to like I'd been through all of those things. I can't imagine how difficult it must've been for you to sit down and say, I'm going to go relive all of these things now in sobriety because it's still active recovery, right? Like you're still, you got to deal with these things every day. How tough was it for you to sit down and say, I'm going to go relive every single one of these moments that are dark that are
1: painful, and yet I feel like I want to share them. You know, uh, well, first, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, you know, stories like that are kind of the why behind my cause, uh, quite honestly. And in a very sick, morbid, <laughs> twisted case, I, I hold a very special place in my heart uh, for alcoholism and addiction. And if you look at the landscape, the statistics the, the 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 data analysis that's collected from treatment centers, um, active ad- addicts and in, in, in that very undesirable uh, unpleasant world, they're rather grim and dark. you just said it, you know, and the majority of society does not believe that recovery is really possible because one out of three people will be affected Mm -hmm. directly or indirectly. And this isn't a hypothesis or an educated guess. This is the facts. One out of three people will be affected today in the nation, 178 people will die as a direct result of an opioid overdose. That's just opioids. That's not uh, stimulants, you know, hallucinogenics that just opioids. Um, so looking at it from that perspective, we're up against uh, a, a, a winless battle, mm-hmm. right? It is impossible for us to overcome. So how dare I, having had found the solution, knowing the answer, and 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 understanding, being armed with the proper facts of the disease that I've been diagnosed with, called alcoholism and addiction, and and and. Properly can navigate the journey out of this world. How dare I not pay that forward? Um, that does not make sense to me. And, and it's the thing. I understand two things in this world. Skateboarding and, and addiction and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Like I know it through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I honestly get off on the topic. Because there's there's a way out. There, there's a, a solution to this this problem that may seem never ending completely undesirable and very daunting dark and dismal and i have the answer to it and so do many other people but a lot you know prefer to remain anonymous and that's okay i understand that um but this is what i believe that my calling is um, today, tomorrow that might completely change I get it,
0: right, yes, yeah. I understand that And it's, it, I think it speaks to the active recovery part of it as well, right? I'm sure you still have to deal with things every day Where you have to remember, do you, do you have to think about triggers? Do you have to think about those type Or do you say, I have, I'm have"? i in a place where that doesn't impact me the way that it was Like, I, I reading the part of your book about the first detox And how how hopeful, like there was a part of me that said Wow, this is, this is it, all it took was going one And then I was like, oh no, 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 yeah. there's a lot more coming I, I guess the di- what what was different? What why did it finally work? You know, over a decade yeah, later.
1: That, that's a very. Commonly asked question. Yeah. And, and, and I, I asked myself that in the beginning, too. Um, now I, I understand the answer. And, and what, all my life is, is, in retrospect, right? Live forward and learn backwards. So at the moment when these blessings are taking place, I'm incapable of seeing them because I'm so convoluted with the mess that I cannot see the message. So, so what I understand to be true today is that here's the reality, that there was nothing different that was given or taught to me from treatment center number 1 to number 13 right they they didn't come up with this new procedure or this this special pill that was just approved by the FDA that, mm-hmm. that only the, the 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 white kids with the blue eyes received right like that <laughs> that wasn't it the the reality is at, at, I had been to so many facilities and I attempted to find sobriety on, on multiple occasions I don't look at any of those attempts as failures, where most would, right? Like you go to treatment and, and you get high in treatment, they kick you out. You go to treatment, you leave early, you go get high. You, you, whatever the case may be, looking back, not one of those attempts were failures because what happened was these seeds were being planted. Previous to these attempts, ignorance was bliss, which meant I am not to be held accountable for my actions. Okay. Right, like mm-hmm. robbing, stealing, manipulating, yep. uh, conning a best friend is, boy, is boy, a Monday morning. Boy, did I know all of those! Yeah. yeah you know. So, so that's that's my way of life. That's how I conduct business. Then I attempt to to better myself and cure my alcoholism by going to these fine establishments, and and I did the worst thing I could have ever done for my alcoholism and addiction. I'd sit through a meeting. I'd sit through a meeting and now I, I I've I've learned this knowledge and, and I couldn't forget what I had learned. And ignorance is no longer bliss because I'm to be held accountable for what I know. And um and, and and they always talk about, you know, it's very hard to drink a glass of wine when it's cut with AA. It's very hard to shoot a bag of heroin when it's cut with NA. It doesn't quite sit so right anymore because I know there's a, 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 a better way out of my position, provided I just follow a few simple suggestions, which clearly I wasn't ready to do at that point in time. So so come to treatment center number 13. May 25th, 2015, I found myself in a position um, where you know the pain was far surpassed unmanageable. Unmanageable again is, is a cup of coffee on a Monday morning for me. The pain had finally become so unbearable, so unbearable. I, I found myself standing on my mother's stoop in Baltimore City in little Italy. Um, as she handed me Brandon's
0: my- point. His mother is here with him yeah. today, which is awesome.
1: She, um, she, you know, I, I, I knocked on her door because I was staying at her house at this point in time, and 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 she had come to the door, and and my sister was there, and and they had gathered my belongings from upstairs in her bedroom because I'd been recently kicked out of Bam's house. Now I'm squatting back in my mother's for about two months, and this is right around the Freddie Gray time. Okay. Um for for a timeline sense here and and um, my sister hands me everything that I own in my life at a 38 year old um, self-proclaimed pretty successful individual now I mean, previous to this point in time a television star yeah I'm a, you know, a pro know. skater right. I've been in these movies at Breakbox Office Records yeah. New York Times selling author I've right. done some things in life and May 25th uh, I'm standing on my mother's stoop in Little Italy my sister hands me everything I own that consists of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, a stick of deodorant that fits into this bag that my sister's now handed me that doubles as my pillow, a needle, a spoon, and with that, a police officer comes around the corner and he serves me with a restraining order. Um, and my mother's crying uncontrollably and she says, you know, uh, I knew, I, I had understood and I, I could see the effect that my day-to-day had on her. And, um, and I... I was far past the point of trying to justify, minimize, or deflect my severity of my situation, meaning addiction. And, and I didn't try to walk or talk my way out of that. I just looked at her and I said, do you, do you hate me? Hmm. And she said, no, I don't hate you, but I refuse to love you to death any longer. You have to go. And my sister hands me my worldly belongings, and, and I'm now a 38-year-old homeless heroin addict you know, who who just wants to kill himself on a daily basis. But I'm just terrified to hurt myself in the process and, and and a few other things that happened at that moment, it's just too long to get into. But but what happened on that day is is the pain had finally become so great that it was so unbearable that for the first time in my life I was willing to do whatever it took to get myself out of the position that I had created for myself. So how we go back I'm I'm gonna take it back now to the first treatment center to the thirteenth. Okay. Um at that very moment, standing on the stoop in, in 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 little Italy in Baltimore City, with everything that I owned, looking back at, at at my behavioral patterns that consistently landed me here, it was so easy for me to see and 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 it was like at that moment everything that I was taught in every attempt at every facility I had entered, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and it was like the the sky parted, and I just walked across the water and and I was like. I am my problem. And 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 I continue to create myself this outcome. And if I just get out of my way and maybe follow some suggestions for some people that, that clearly know better, sure, I'd have a better outcome. Who were those people for you? Well, at, at that moment I at that moment it was my parole officer, wow. right? Because I was due to see my parole officer and I was supposed to I was supposed to be in Was this still from the like the Dante incident? Was this still from the No, well this is they had all like they hit all kind of uh, run concurrent. Yeah, they were a lot. They, yeah. I know from 18 to 38, I was on parole and probation. Yeah, I, 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 I had never had a free day in between. It would like like I it would follow me from state to state. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd almost complete one probation or parole sentence in one state and then I'd move and then it would follow me there and then I would get another charge in that state and then it would just add, you know, it was just always never ending. So on that day, I, I called her, and I, I said, uh, I was supposed to show up the next morning. I'm supposed to be in Pennsylvania. The, these are the requirements of my my condition of parole. I'm supposed to be in Pennsylvania. I'm not supposed to leave the state of Pennsylvania. I'm supposed to be in her office tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m., and I'm supposed, to produce, I'm supposed to produce a clean urine. The reality of my situation looked like this. I'm standing on my mother's stoop in Baltimore City. Um, I, I'm... I've, I've just been handed everything that I own. Uh, I'm about to head to BWI airport to board a flight to Fort Lauderdale. Um, if I, if I piss into a cup, it'll light up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I have a needle hanging out of my arm and I'm I'm supposed to report to her office the next morning. So I called her and I said, I'm in a really bad way and I need help. And she said, show up. And I showed up and by the grace of God, you know, she given me one more chance, and sent me to one more facility. And, and what I know to be true today is, is that at 38 years old, what was the answer, right? Coming back to what was the, the answer? Why did this one work? At 38 years old, I had become so mature that it was, it was evident for me to see that, that I continue to put myself here. If I get out of my way, follow these suggestions, um, I'm not getting any younger. It, it's completely self-induced. I create this outcome Every time And And prior to this I had possessed this job That consisted of Knowing everything mm-hmm. Right So when you suggested What I should do To better my life I suggested Why you should F off Because right. I know Right Yeah I'm doing alright Yeah May 25th 2015 I came to the realization That what I do know Is that I have no idea It
0: almost Can, can, I, can
1: I Please
0: s- Brandon Again from my own experiences yeah. It felt like survival was, dude, if I can control this from day to day, if I can figure out how to get high, if I can figure out who I need to manipulate, if I can figure out how I can, then I can control anything. I can. Absolutely. Like it's, 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 it's survivalistic, right? Like that. And I, to
1: this point, I had done uh, quite a few accomplishing things in my life to where sure. people believed even myself that I knew what I was doing and my resume stated that Correct. I knew what was going on in life. But the reality is, it, it, it couldn't have been quite the contrary anymore. <laughs> like, I was really disconnected from reality and or abnormality. Uh, Brandon Novak
0: is in studio with us again. The book is The Streets of Baltimore. Where all can people go to pick up The Streets
1: of Baltimore right now, Brandon? The easiest way is just go to my website, brandonnovak.com.
0: Okay, you can go right there to pick it up. I cannot, I. it is an unbelievable read. It, it is so incredibly powerful. I, I, I want to go back to something, back to... But you mentioned something like, hey, it's not just all white guys with blue eyes, right? Sure. There will be someone that will say, yeah, but, you know, Brandon, you were well plugged in. You were well known. Mm-hmm. You were a celebrity. You mm-hmm. were it, it, it is easier for celebrities to do this. There are more opportunities for them. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the difference for you in that moment when you decided to do it? Did it matter that you had achieved success and that you had famous friends and things like that? Or was it no different at that point when it worked for you than it would be for anyone that is battling addiction?
1: You know, it's 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 a great question that you bring up. And, and as my disease progressed, so did my treatment center stays. Meaning that in the beginning of my alcoholism and addiction, I had... Some of the most amazing times of my life. Even today, I can sit here and tell you some of the best times of my I, life. I, I'm so glad we. I want to talk about that. It, it took I place want to talk, under yeah. the influence, right? Yeah. Uh, and and in the beginning of my you know treatment center stays, it was the Betty Ford Clinic. It was the uh, aromatherapy, you know, private chef. And and as my disease progressed, again, so did my treatment center stays. And made. 25th 2015 I walked into my 13th inpatient treatment center. It, it was a facility that cost me two dollars to get into It was two dollars. It was a state-funded establishment a, a, a Christian based faith program and um, You know I had nothing I had no one and I and I'm not blaming anybody I created that outcome and, and with me and the, my alcoholic behaviors people knew that it was best to love me from a distance Right? Because if you loved me, I had you. Mm-hmm. If you. If you told me you loved me, I equated mm-hmm. that to 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was best for everybody involved to, to, to keep me uh, afar. Yeah. So, so when I at the end, I'm a firm believer um, that you can get sober in a crack house if you're ready right? Because, and this is my story. It's my narrative. I'm married to it it, because it's worked for me, but that's the complexity that we're up against here, right? It's not a one size fits all. It's not a black and white comes with an instruction manual. What works for me did not work for your best friend, Mm -hmm. um, and will not work for, for this man here. You know, it's, it's an individualized process and that adds to the complexity of the situation. So, so what I do and, and why I believe that I'm so good at what I do is because I'm the best at playing devil's advocate. It makes sense to me why you'd prefer to continue to shoot dope all day as opposed to accept the help that I'm literally offering and will provide you, which is what I do. I understand how to talk to them. And also, I, I use the, the, the base that I've been blessed with, the following that I have to, to share my message. See, I understand the demographic that I'm up against. If you're an addict or an alcoholic and you're like me, all that means is, is that we're, we're, we're defiant by nature, we hate authority, and we refuse to conform mm-hmm. because we possess that job that consists of knowing everything. So understanding that right out of the gate, what I do is I use all my platforms, which are combined close to like 2 million followers, and, and share with you my life, a very transparent, um, authentic, organic version and visual of my life and in hopes of allowing it to be perceived from the outside world in a way that people find it so attractive, so desirable, and so appealing that that they now want what I have. So I simply give them this life in a form of attraction rather than promotion with at the end of my posts or or platforms there's a number to call me and my team directly. Yeah. And if you want the help Can you share that number with us? 610-314-6747. Call me. Me and my team will will help, will will aid and assist in, and help you get the help that you need. Um because I get that, so so understanding who I am, reading about my story in the books, seeing it in the tabloids, people know that my stories hold it holds depth and weight. They understand that I understand. So the the thick, deep, condensed wall that most people cannot penetrate, I have the ability to get through pretty quick. You know, and I don't tell them about me. I I don't really say much about much. I let them talk, and and I come from a a place of of understanding as opposed to being understood.
0: I want to ask
1: about people like me. Yes.
0: I want to ask about the people that are on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I and I say this not because I think I'm be- – I've said this all the time. I don't know why it is that I didn't have the same disease because when I talk about my best friend, we partied together constantly. We got drunk. We got high. We did all of those things. But I didn't have – I addiction was never an issue for me for whatever mm-hmm. – Reason I don't know is we talk about it's a disease. It's not. It's it's not discriminate, right? Like it can happen to anyone.
1: Proving my point, the one out of three people will be affected. A hundred percent, right?
0: Like that's it's the way it goes. And I talk about it constantly whenever we deal with addiction topics on this show. It is
1: a disease.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I don't know why my best friend had the disease of addiction and I didn't because we were not. We did everything together. Everything was the exact same. It's just that I.
1: Just could wake up the next day and say, "I don't need it." I just and I have to interject real quick because you're making a great point. I just really want to drive this home to the listener of of the complexity and severity of this disease that we're talking about. Right? It's that if you've been diagnosed with an addict or an alcoholic, and you accept that diagnosis, the disease, if you will this is a cold, hard fact. It's not debatable. Look it up on any outlet you like. If you've been diagnosed with that disease, all that means is that you've been diagnosed with a disease that if left untreated equals death. It's a fatal disease. But as far as I'm aware of, it's the only fatal disease that us addicts have been diagnosed with that lies to us in our own voice, making us believe the unbelievable that we do not have that disease that the doctor or treatment center has just diagnosed us with. Follow me. Diagnose me with HIV. I'm rushing to the hospital to get medication. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Diagnose me with cancer. I'm rushing to the hospital to get chemo. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Diagnose me as an addict or an alcoholic. I need a glass of wine or a bag of heroin to figure out what the hell caused you to diagnose me with said disease. Just as fatal as the first two diseases. Just facts. That's the... The,
0: the, it's so incredibly.
1: That you just, know. It's I, I. know exactly what you're saying. And it's saying. not like your voice comes in my head and says, "Oh, don't worry, Novak, you don't have that disease." And no. I'm like, Oh, stranger danger! Right. You. <laughs> no, it's my <laughs> voice. In my head That makes me believe The unbelievable Where an hour prior to The pain had become so great I'm sitting in this chair In this treatment center And the doctor comes in And says Mr. Novak You're an addict And I'm sick I'm withdrawing And I'm like You're right I am And then all of a sudden You drop your wallet And I steal a hundred bucks out And all mm-hmm. of a sudden Well I'm not really an addict
0: No What's no. wrong with you right. I have a
1: hundred bucks I'm gonna go get my solution Which is a bag of heroin mm-hmm. And a shot of cocaine I'm gonna sit back In the abandoned house And laugh at you, laugh at you For diagnosing me <sighs>
0: It's so twisted. That's the, it's so unbelievably twisted. That's the twisted. power that it's we're so up against. It's so incredibly twisted. There will be lots more of people that will be in my shoes that we're not dealing with addiction, but we are, to totally. the point. Yeah. We're dealing with it because it's-
1: You get the worst part of it. What, so, you don't even get to get high. <laughs> you don't even get to escape the reality. Uh, you just get the terrible consequences that come along with my 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 insane behaviors. So what, what do we do? What- we, how, I'm a firm believer of um, boundaries. Boundaries, but see, and now what I tell you to do—yeah, it's not gonna be the same forever. It's not gonna and be I under- the answer, I do understand, right? That. So yeah. like. Uh, I- I'm a firm believer of, of just throwing things at the wall because if we had the answer, right, if we had the answer, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in. And today. that's what
0: every single one of us, every single one of us that love my best friend. Yeah, I, I'll
1: use his name. Chris, we totally lo- every single one of us. Yeah. said we don't know exactly what to do. And we just try. we tried Straight anything. Up. Bam. I, I can talk about this publicly sure. because like he's public with it. Yeah. Um, he's my best friend. He paid to put me in several treatment centers. I, I literally attribute a, a big part of my sobriety to him for never giving up on me right? Um, when people would say to him, why do you keep helping him? Why do you keep letting him back in the house? Why do you keep giving him another chance? I don't know why he did, but he did. And I, and, and and that could have hurt me or helped me. At the time, it would have been perceived as hurting me because he would give me a credit card. He would allow me to stay in this mansion and, and, and give me a, a spots on the TV shows mm-hmm. that would provide me paychecks that I would take right back to Baltimore City and shoot as much of it in my arm as possible. Whatever the... The the reason is here I am today with coming up on eight years sober. Now today he is in the same that position wing, I yeah. was, mm-hmm. and 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 I was talking to his father the other day, and uh, and he said, "What do we do?"
0: I need you to tell what me what do we do. His parents are as awesome
1: as we always have thought they that. are. I need, I need that. They are. Case. They, they absolutely are. Okay, they, they absolutely are. But Phil said, "What do we do?" We we just had him mandate it to a treatment center for almost two years, and that's very true. I helped aid and assist in a lot of the facilities that he went to. I'm at a point where I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? It's like there's just not that answer. So what do we do? We do everything humanly possible. But most importantly, what I would do right now, you know, because it's a case by case, um, and, and, and what I do is I create boundaries. Right. And I will not enable those behaviors. And I pray that he finds himself in a position or any addict, an alcoholic. I pray that they find themselves in a position where the pain becomes so great that they're willing to do whatever is suggested, such as I did May 25th, 2015. And if somebody, anybody would have robbed me of my process, the outcome that you see might not exist today. And that's the very hard part. So, it, like, you want it to be a math equation, man. Like, you want there to be a just give me the instructions, tell me what it is that I can. I'm, I'm, so, that's why I stand loud, Yeah, I stand tall, and I stand proud of my sobriety today. To shine a light at the very end of that dark, drab tunnel where people believe there's no solution that exists. Guess what? There is.
0: I, I have made a decision. I'm going to go commercial-free this hour that we have you in studio. Yeah, because I, I do need to thank some people that are going to allow me to do that, like your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. And it feels like an appropriate time as we're talking about addiction. We know that um, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Brandon Novak is in studio with us. Brandon is a Baltimore native. If you're just joining us uh, he is the author of The Streets of Baltimore, which is available right now. Go to com. I cannot encourage you enough. It is heavy. It is, when I say raw, there are things that, I, even knowing Brandon's mission, I probably, if I were him, would have taken to the grave. Um, and yet, he is extraordinarily open about the lowest of the lows during the course of his own battle with addiction throughout his life, and it is as powerful as anything I have ever read in my
1: life. That um, book will also be available audio version uh, of Kindle of all the major outlets uh, on the 7th of March Awesome. that awesome. I am narrating. Well, so I, you'll, you'll I know we were talking about that truly before the show. Truly from the words of my mouth. But
0: yeah. I, I want to I, I ask you something because I mentioned in the beginning, this starts with I'm a fan, yeah. right? Like I, I, I joked I'm a white guy of a certain age. You know there was a generation of us that was – just absolutely obsessed with CKY, I was absolutely obsessed with Jackass, I was absolutely obsessed with Bam Marger. I just said a couple minutes ago, I was desperate for you to tell me that April and Phil were awesome because yeah. they were almost like all of our parents, right? Sure. And like, we went through all of those things. Um, I, I have such a place in my heart. When the last Jackass movie came out, I, I organized a field trip for listeners to go see it on the friday afternoon after our show ended that it was in theaters because it means that much to me in my life sure i wonder for you and i think you've already kind of given me the answer which is f- i feel more comfortable asking about it i could certainly see why a lot of people that went through your life would say i don't really want to talk about those days i don't want to th- i don't think as fondly about that time because i associate it with my darkness my addiction my troubles you in reading the book the way you so fondly talk about you know, riding a shopping cart down a hill and winning a race on Viva la Bam, like I, it seems like you don't have that sort of disconnect where you have a a a an unfortunate or negative feeling towards the the things
1: that you were able to do while you were battling your addiction. yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if we're weighing the scales of justice here, right? I could look back and say, you know, those times were you know, really tough for me because of X, Y, and Z. But tough times for me are like <clears throat> the days and nights that I stood on the corner of Eastern Avenue in Patterson Park mm-hmm. prostituting my body. To secure enough finances to acquire another bag of heroin. <laughs> so, if we're weighing the scales of justice, you know, a, a touchy subject such as a stunt on Jackass of Evil, Alabama, driving a car to, into a river. Right. Yeah, as right. opposed yeah. to like, well, eating out of trash cans in West Baltimore, getting robbed by the stick up boys, praying to God that the jump out boys don't get me that day, or, you know, hoping to God that that lawyer that drives the Burgundy, the Burgundy Cadillac gets off at 5 p.m. as opposed to 5.30 because he pays me good money for my body. It's a Jeez. pretty easy answer to come up with there. And again, what I've learned, and this is all from, from, from my journey with sobriety and things that I've learned within that journey is that if I change my pers- if I change my perspective, I could change my world, right? So I could look at it as the victim role. Why me, why me, why me? But through sobriety, I've learned to live in solution mode, not problem mode, Um, because I'm equipped with the facts. I have the knowledge and I've learned that, like, I can start my day over at any given time. Um, So I simply see anything that happens in my life that does not go my way as me being divinely inconvenienced. Right, because there's a a lesson to be had in everything depending upon my perspective on said situation. So I see those times that may not have been too favorable for me um, in regards to my addiction as, as life again, live forward and learn backwards. Today, having remained sober long enough that it's very easy for me to look back and recognize the synchronicity in life's events that have led me to the right here, right now proved to me, right, that everything had been happening to me, not for me. So these incidences that were taking place that might not have been in my best interest were really just allowing me to to continue to grow this platform, right, to be more of a household public figure name so that ultimately when I found sobriety, having a bigger position to stand in to preach this message of recovery to let people know that help is available Mm -hmm. and the disease of addiction is not a death sentence and furthermore here's a phone number to do that
0: i i do you think of those times fondly oh yeah okay yeah
1: yeah it was some of the best times best some of the best times of my life you know I, i wouldn't take any of those back people often ask me would you regret or do you take back anything that you had done in your life especially during active addiction And the honest to God answer, the only two things that I would take back is that the pain and the sleepless nights that I caused, you know, my mother and my family members. That's the only two things. But besides that, because without those, right, if someone would have robbed me of my process, you would not see the guy today who has literally devoted his life to helping the helpless to 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 hopefully helping the undesirable become desired. You know, because I've been blessed with the ability to do that. So I've opened, you know, men's sober living homes where today I have six sober living homes with, uh, 64 beds that I provide scholarships for any man that's willing to do what it takes. Uh, I've opened a drug and alcohol treatment center, you know, uh, titled <laughs> accordingly uh, and fittingly redemption mm. you know so mm. like I I've literally turned my defects right perspective it's all perspective I've turned the very same thing that was killing me on a daily basis a layaway plan one bag one bottle one needle at a time into the very same thing that's not only saving my life but countless others thank you thank you for doing that and it's thank not you. even it's, and all I did it was so simple that I missed it for so long. All I had to do Was admit complete defeat And that moment That I admitted complete defeat I secured the ultimate victory <laughs> I, I dumb my way into this But by the way You don't even know this yet But you're also going to be Helping out uh, So I am
0: very involved With the Helping Up Mission Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Baltimore They're, they're right next to My mother's house and, My and mother
1: has uh, coffee with them At church across the street Every Thursday
0: There, I am involved with them Monthly We do things with them We do a huge coat drive For them every yeah. year and I was
1: actually in the Helping Up Mission
0: Years ago I it's i you know what everybody everybody that i when i was around all of my friend christopher's friends they yeah. said this is where you go when you're serious they, they take the bottom of the bottom like this is <laughs> when, when you
1: have nothing and you've ran out that's of all exactly options exactly the way that, take your ass up the ball and i had been connected with them well before
0: you know like th- this through radio we had been connected and we've been doing some events with them uh and when I, f- when I found out that you were coming in today i asked if anybody would be willing to donate a month, some money to get an autographed book and Someone donated 100 bucks, So I'm going to have to sign the book for deal. That's them. a big so deal. Even just you coming in here and doing this today is going to continue to
1: benefit some some folks that need it so you know unknowingly thank you for that yeah thank no, doubt. You no that. doubt i mean I, i'm very well versed in that world those houses that i told you about the one of the whys behind my calls is because i understand right the helpless the hopeless the the ones that have de- been deemed unhelpable and unfixable we don't we don't find our way into recovery or sobriety because we have an influx of cash coming out of every orifice of our our body We get here because we've burned every bridge and and not too many people were willing to lend a helping hand, rightfully so. So what I've done is I've created those six houses in Wilmington, Delaware called Novak's House and and I travel all around and I do all kinds of events to raise all kinds of money to, to make it a point Where money is never a deterrent as to why someone cannot find the continuum of a safe, sober living environment with accountability upon completing an inpatient treatment center. So if I have a bed and you have the desire and willingness, then come. There's no money. That's and so I, I get that. And, and is and
0: that's, is BrandonNovak.com the place for people that?
1: Yeah. Well, Novak's house is a Novak'sRecoveryHouse.com. Okay. Um, okay. Two separate entities, but it's all BrandonNovak.com and uh, yeah. I have no doubt there's somebody that's listening to this. And there's right a Venmo now uh, at Novak's house. Every dollar, if you're so inclined to give, whether it's a penny or a dollar or a million, dollar, it goes to a scholarship fund. Uh, and and if you don't believe me, I have an open door policy. Come up to Wilmington, Delaware, and I will take you to all six houses and you can meet the 64 men that reside in those houses, and nine out of ten of those men are there via scholarships.:
0: That's wonderful, man that's so wonderful.
1: And again, like how dare I not do no, that No you know like like my mother she depleted her savings account, she sold two homes that can i, can can I tell treatment. your mother i love her and i mean this and <laughs> Please, this is not wa- i want to murder her a b- lot of. D-. it's like be careful what you ask for all i wanted was a relationship for her and now i have it and she is insane <laughs> and calls me a million times a day i i
0: you know my buddy's family like i they did everything everything and they've lost other you yeah know, you know they, 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 he lost a brother too who's lost a sister totally like i mean of of his five siblings there's there's three left yeah. at this point is you know it's it's horrifying mm-hmm. um and i don't tell them enough that i love them i should be sure. telling every moment of every day and i love your mom because yeah. i know i know everything that she's been through. no doubt and the unconditional love that she feels for you is I, it's overwhelming like it I'm, I'm trying to avoid you know getting a little emotional at here, the man. end of like, my
1: alcoholism she literally went to god and she she's really big in the church world and she goes across the street and uh she got on her knees and she prayed to God. She said, dear God, please cure him or kill him because I can no longer take it anymore. She's, she bought me a plot, right, uh, um, which I still own. And and I've today decided I'll be cremated. So if anybody's interested in purchasing a plot from me, <laughs> it's for sale. <laughs> right. And, I, and I'm not even exaggerating, you know. But, but the beautiful thing is, is like she does not have to wait for that phone call anymore. Yeah. Which she waited for for years.
0: Yep. She, she, waited just, for, she
1: knew it was coming, right? Yeah.
0: Like, one of these calls is going to be... Mother.
1: I, yeah. Come here. Yeah. She waited for that call for years. And I'll let her say what the call that she waited on for years was. Here, Mom. What, what was that call that you used to to wait on for years in the middle of the night for me? That you were dead. What, what would you... You'd pray to God for what? To cure him, kill
3: him, or kill me because I couldn't take anymore. And Father Michael said to me, uh-uh. God has plans for him that you don't know about. So don't you ever say that
2: again, Patricia.
1: Can you? Can you? I, I don't. I don't. She's mean, a mouthful of candy in her
2: mouth. I, so I,
0: excuse that. Can, can I? Could I just ask quickly what this means to you? Could I? Is there any way you could possibly describe what seeing Brandon now means to you?
2: Wow! It means everything. It's it's just
3: everything. I can't believe it's happened. And I'm so happy that it did. It, it makes me happy every single day, even though I fight like the devil with him every single day, <laughs> and he fights back. But uh, I'm very happy right now, so I'll keep him. Can, can I?
0: Can I just tell you that I love you?
3: Thank you very much.
0: I, I and I mean that. Like I, you know, I've I've dealt. It, it hits me very close.
3: Does it? I heard you and, your story.
0: And I love you. And Thank I you. am so grateful for you and for never giving up on him. And for unconditional love that you showed at every moment and i'm a f I'm a parent now, so it hits a little bit different oh yes, I have two little boys oh, and i I just can't tell you I can't tell you I love you, I don't know you, I love you, thank and you. i am grateful for you, thank you very much I'm sorry i gotta i gotta compose myself <laughs> here for a second i it i i I truly mean that, and thank you for coming down in here. Um, God, your mother is a saint. (laughs) Yeah, she's... uh,
1: And that's the thing, right? Creating this unconditional love, yet with boundaries, um, and never giving up on me, um, having been blessed with this journey I'm on with sobriety, now has allowed me, right? Because people say, how do we change the world? How do we fix the problem? How do we fix the problem? We don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is that because people love me in, in spite of me and unconditionally and never gave up on me... Having now found my journey of sobriety, right, I have the ability to help people. I help one person. Now, those two people help four. Four help eight. Eight help 16. And then before you see it, you see a change in the the, the atmosphere, the structure, the environment. And that's how I believe we uh, stand the best chance of, of changing the world or the, the current predicament that we're in. Hence... You know, people told me in the beginning, I, I didn't end up in sobriety or recovery because I took the short bus to school. I didn't end up an addict because I took that short bus to school. Quite the contrary, I, I ended up here, recovery, and in addiction because I was too smart for my own good. And I would go to those twelve-step meetings and I would sit in those chairs and I would outthink myself yep. out of a situation that was saving my life every time. Yeah. Right. So, so now having had the ability to to dumb my way into it, and it's again. Because of my process, looking back, all I did was just rearrange the furniture on the Titanic for 22 years. But my, sim, my ship would continuously sink every time. So on May 25th, walking to the 13th facility, I, I look back and it was very easy. Very, very easy. When all of those seeds that were planted along the way just hit me like a pile of bricks to see the severity of my current situation. Um, and it allowed me to then finally do what was necessary in order to recover. So now being in this position, I, I, I use the platform that I have to, to allow help to anybody that's willing. But I will not chase people down because I understand what that looks like. I, I completely get it. All right, there's a couple things I wanted to get to. Yeah. Um,
0: one, and, and this is a, it's a complicated question, right? I, one of the things I like to give whenever I have somebody that's accomplished great things, I was like to ask them for their biggest pinch-me moment, and mm-hmm. I and I get that these things are like complicated by you know your battles with addiction and where you were in those moments. But as you reflect on everything you've done, is there any single moment that you say, "I can't believe I was able to do this," or be around this person, or experience this moment that you just say, "I," whatever I had to go through this,
1: I'll. It, it will be with me for forever. The things that get me off are the, the ones that are deemed impossible by most, but the certain few turn possible. And the reason why I say that is because that guy who shared with you these really dark, decrepit, undesirable stories, tales of addiction that, that the majority of the world would say, there's no way one could make it out alive. And rightfully so. That guy has now... Uh, become the keynote speaker for the DEA, hmm. and the DEA now pay me to be a keynote speaker, right That guy um, who who was not so politely asked to leave the eleventh grade as a direct result of drugs and alcohol who who wrote his first book without a GED, later on in life acquired his GED in the penitentiary while serving a sentence, never stepped foot a day in college today gets paid by universities to come in and give talks right um the the guy who who had been in 13 inpatient treatment centers lost count of outpatients and detoxes my mother bought me a plot my mother took life insurance policies out on me my mother who was a, a nuclear physicist at mercy hospital for 53 years of her life on the board of mercy hospital um was the same mother that visited me while I was on life support at her hospital three days prior to walking into my 13th inpatient treatment center. My mother who served me with a restraining order, my mother who sold two homes to pay for me to go to treatment, my mother who prayed for my death because of my addiction, now is the same mother that that comes to visit my six sober homes that I provide scholarships for anyone in need. My mother now comes to visit my drug and alcohol treatment center, properly titled Redemption Addiction Treatment Center, (laughs) um, and, and speaks to the clients in those facilities. My mother called me eight months into my process of sobriety and she said, I hate when you come to visit me. And I said, why? And she said, because I get so sad when you leave. You know Those are the The pinch me moments yeah. Now I could talk about like The money The property The prestige The 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 rubbing elbows With, with certain individuals That Dude, your, are pretty your, cool Your but... Billy Idol story Is one of the like, yeah. And I know and it's, that it's that, that right? That's like pales in comparison I, under, to, I understand that, That's the perspective of, right. of where I'm at But I get what you're saying Dude it's You know like <laughs> I, I saw Billy Idol At an
0: HF festival And it was yeah. the most Electric thing It was like He was Michael Jackson He was such a star no Right doubt. And I said to myself Like as you I'm reading this story I'm like it's the coolest thing i've ever read in my life yeah like, it's yeah the
1: he thing. gave me his 24-hour medallion you know as you and, and kind of gave me a talk like when i was in a really bad way of how things could get better and how he could see through my shit you know like and and, and those are the things that i i don't even really think about because i get it i get it <laughs> it's Like, so, it's, a, it's it's strange a, it's a no, no no i don't think it's
0: strange because it's a different like this life is so much better than i I get the concept, but the right? Scale,
1: right, the, the way and the scales of justice here. 100%. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I dude, again, this goes back to me
0: being a nerdy fan, right? Like, I would love to hear you tell me stories about, like, how cool it was yeah. and all of those things, but I understand the perspective that you have of, right, but the life I have now is better than that. I like,
1: thoroughly, like, can't enjoy more going to the grocery store, Yeah, like, taking my cats to the vets, like, just simple things because I was so disconnected from reality and or abnormality for so long i lived on that animalistic level where i lived to use and used to live and 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 my day was consumed literally by by how much money i could get to ultimately inject into my arm and 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 whoever stood between me and that process had to go and it was never personal it was always just business So I had harmed a lot of relationships in my life. So now like the most meaningful thing to me is, is like having relationships that are sustainable. Right. Because today I'm a, I'm a guy who, 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 who just doesn't have enough time in the day for the, for the people that are in my life. And that, that is awesome from the guy who before was served a restraining order. On his mother's step, May 24th, 2015. Not that long ago, I was served with a restraining order. I had never had a driver's license in my life. Three years ago, I've got my first ever driver's license. Wow. That's the disconnection from reality that I'm talking about. I'm a 44 year old man, just to give you a timeline yeah. of, uh, you know what I mean? Does it help with,
0: I, I, I the word regret came up as I was thinking about you as a skateboarder, right? I was yeah. thinking about, like there would be times I would think where you where you would sit back and reflect and, and you reference that like what what could have been with the love of your life at the time? What yeah. could have been with a professional skating career where you were already wildly successful at an insanely young age? did Are you able to block all of that out and say, I don't deal with regret because I have something so much better than that?
1: Yeah, no, that's it's a, it's a again, perspective. Forty-four years old. I'm about to drop a video part that I just filmed. I went to Barcelona, which is like the mecca for skateboarders, and I I, I filmed a whole video. I didn't part. know that. I had no idea. Yeah, they they actually construct buildings, and the and the um the architects will build skate spots into the buildings. It's so cool. It's like praised. It's so kind of cool. like Jerusalem for a, a holy roller. Wow. Um, and and I filmed this skate part, <laughs> and I have a pro model getting ready to drop with the the part. At forty four, and it's the best part I've ever produced in my life. You know, did you? When did you? I'm kind of like Benjamin Button. You you reference. – stopped
0: growing. I, I want to know the got time. Sober. you reference in the book mm-hmm. that like when you were at Bam's house. Yeah, there was the day where all of the the skaters came ah, in, th- and th- that those things hurt. And you couldn't. Yeah. When did you get back to like? When did you get back on a board and feel comfortable
1: skating again? Well, it's funny because in 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 my my recovery process this time. My man, my my therapist, my my people in my life, they'd be like, "Let you should skate again. You should you should start as a hobby, as an outlet." And I looked at that as like the the love of my life, who I let get away. Yeah, right. Like I yeah. wouldn't address it. I wouldn't acknowledge it. It never yeah. even happened, and I'd avoid it at all costs. And and it was it was after I had finally done this internal work that was required that I had never done before the last thing I tried first thing that worked I did this internal work that was required to in order to achieve these external results that I've always desired mom you, you can't mom <laughs> you fine. can't she's talk. fine she's fine um <laughs> it's hard uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Finally, was I able to go I'd say back. she's more than earned this, by the way. <laughs> yeah. right. It's probably like her, her neighbor <laughs> talking about bingo at the Polish home tonight. It's, trust me, she's not going to lose. Do you play it. with her ever? I take her there That's occasionally. Awesome. That's awesome. So but I'm, yeah, sorry. no, it's... it's um, I've got to a place in my life where I, I no longer wish to shut the door on the past. I actually welcome it with open arms. And, and skateboarding was one of those things. And, and what I found out today... Actually, like a year ago, which you think I would have learned like decades ago because I started skating at seven is that it's the one thing that does for me what nothing else in this world can do. And I've spent a lot of money. I've went to a lot of places and I've hung around a lot of people to achieve this result. Skateboarding literally shuts this off. It's the only thing that allows me to be in the moment. I'm not thinking about yesterday. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. The the, the business deals in play. Even when and I learned that while I was like I was trying to film a, a trick and I I literally sprained my ankle and I'm furious I'm throwing my board I I lost it, and it was at that moment I, it dawned on me that this is why I love skateboarding so much even though I didn't get the result that I was shooting for, sprained my ankle in the process, I wasn't thinking about that's anything so else. That's so cool, man. That's nothing, such a I, cool feeling. you know, in the moment. The joy that in yeah. the moment like nothing else and that's when it hit me dude that's so cool <laughs> you know that's so cool
0: man i'm so happy for you that you like i'm that that makes me honest to god it has nothing to do with me but just hearing that story is the coolest shit I could you, ever, you would think like, i realized
1: that at like 15 night, when i was in the
0: thick of it you know i dude I, that's beautiful man that's really freaking so now beautiful. i really
1: try to like Carve out as much. It's it's for the mental health now. <laughs> that and working okay. out. Okay, and I'll,
0: and I'll, as we we are we're winding down for this hour. That's cool. When you're back here, yeah, is it tough? Is it? Are you able to be home? You said you're you're at you stayed stayed with your mother last stayed night. Stayed with my mother's, Yeah. Are you able to be there and block out all of the darkness? Not think about it. You you told me that you moved. You're you know you're living now in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. When you're here, does any of
1: that come back or? Early in sobriety it absolutely did. It it absolutely did. And, and and so it depends on the time when you're asking about the answer that you'll get. Yeah. Early in sobriety, so if I'm talking to the, the world, the public it's something to be careful and cognitive of right cognizant of um would you encourage
0: people to be somewhere else
1: i i for me it it worked well yeah Uh, uh, although i understand that the geographical change does not equate to recovery right because you always take you with you Mm -hmm. um but for me it helped to have a a a different landscape yeah you found some
0: one of the the colorado story is one of the more totally stories totally
1: you know like you were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And yet you were still... Uh, with me. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I, I, I do recommend that. Um, but coming back here in the beginning, I always had a plan. Uh, I always had uh, resources available. And, and I understood the severity and the stakes that were at play. Now, today... It's 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 second nature. As a matter of fact, and I don't recommend this to anybody, but but I sometimes because I'm so busy in the day to day that I don't really sit back and, and take in the the I hate to say achievements, but the blessings that that have been bestowed upon me. Um, that sometimes walking down memory lane, going into those undesirable neighborhoods mm-hmm. where I did a lot of my 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 dark things from the past. The juxtaposition, the perspective that it allows me to have of like how grateful I am that I'm no longer in that dark place. So, you know, now, I, but I'm also aware that if you keep going to a barbershop, you'll get a haircut I again. Right. Like, right. Like you're I, talking about my sobriety yeah. and recovery today. I, I know today I suffer with a disease called alcoholism, mm-hmm. not alcohol mm-hmm. And I cannot stay sober on yesterday's sobriety. It's active recovery. So I am very proactive in my recovery, sobriety. I have a sponsor. I sponsor people. I go to 12 step meetings. I am in the thick of it. Uh, and I understand and I respect the disease that I have you know but and, and so it's kind of like i i'm so aware that uh at this moment the place that i'm in it's impossible for me to to have a drink or a drug now if i slowly start to walk my way backwards and stop doing what worked to get me here it's not a matter of if but when i'll pick it up you know i make it to 12-step meetings to find out what happens to people that don't make it to 12-step mm-hmm. meetings
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know i understand that so uh yeah, and that's this is today. <laughs> Correct. Oh my God, I get right like
0: tomorrow. I we'll, we'll talk tomorrow. Tomorrow. I understand exactly what you're saying. But
1: but again, I I and I've, I I literally give my life to to helping the unhelpable. So if anyone's out there that needs help, call me six one zero three one four six seven four seven. Me and my team will come up with the best plan to get you the help. Not that you need, but more so deserve.
0: BrandonNovak.com pick up the streets of baltimore i it, again you, it, i'm not it's not a happy well it, well i don't want to give anything away there you know the story now like yeah. you know the the ultimate final chapter because you're looking at it you're, you're hearing it in this moment but the story is dark it is dark but it is powerful and it is important and, and it's I, the reality yes it's and I, real i can't encourage you enough to dive into the streets of baltimore i i told you uh, privately i have not read dream seller i'm going out to read dream seller because i was so moved by this that i need to read dream seller i need cool. to know um more of your story i i can't it's socials uh
1: twitter yeah. facebook instagram yeah instagram is uh, well if you go to my website brandonnovak.com it takes you there but instagram okay. is brandon double underscore novak And and I don't know what the rest are. Uh, You'll get to one, you get to the rest. Uh, If you go to the Instagram, you can take it to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that.
0: I, I, I don't I love you too. And I mean that. Like your words were a very significant thing for me at a very difficult time in my life. And I will never forget that. And I know that's not, you know that's not a burden for you to carry, that like you're responsible for me having hope, but I hope you know the impact that you're talking about, what you're trying to do, it's working. It's working because you gave me hope at one of the darkest times in my life. And I will be eternally grateful for that and truly
1: appreciate you coming down here and hanging out with us this morning, man. It, it means no the world. No doubt, man. I'm grateful that you're giving me the ability to use this platform to, to allow my message to go a little bit further to, to, I'm sure, some people that were not or are not aware of me and more so my calls today.
0: Brandon, Brandon Novak, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for your mom. I'm so happy for everyone that loves you, man. And I can't wait to see what's next on this journey for this person, brother. I, I really mean that. It's, it's powerful doing this with you today. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Brandon Novak. Um, we're going to grab a break here. It might end up turning into two breaks. Um, we'll see how it goes. We got, we're going to talk sports in the second hour of the show. <laughs> They're like, thank like, God. Right? Like, <laughs> give me a minute. Let me get everything composed. And then we're going to have some uh, sports conversation here in hour number two of the show. Uh, It is a Tuesday
4: edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution, and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs.
0: Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports? As a small business run by O'S fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like birds are coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part, their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up
5: for the season. Let's go, O's!
6: Whether your focus is luxury and comfort,
5: convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyaToyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from
0: your local Toyota dealer today. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day Holiday Racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track.
7: Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off season, discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook com sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio and if you miss a show you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts so tune into the bat around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from ten a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports
8: Stan the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the Costas Inn and everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups whatever is on your Mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food 410 477 1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard.
7: If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 1057 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong
6: with you? Welcome. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I heard it. I knew. I'm a. Sometimes, by the way, when we're doing the radio show, it's funny that they just reference one of us. Sometimes I'm doing the radio show, and we actually just start talking, Reed and I, because you know, like, the people know Reed and I are friends. Like, we're we're close. We'll just start talking, and all of a sudden, there'll be the producer from the other room will be like, "Hey, hey, rejoiner, rejoiners coming." Hey, hey! <laughs> They're gonna like, yell oh. at you? Can't. Right. right. We're just talking. locked in. Um, all right, uh, a couple of things quickly. Uh, pressboxonline.com/offers. If you signed up for FanDuel, if you signed up for BetMGM, but say you've never signed up for DraftKings, do it now because you bet five dollars, you get two hundred dollars worth of free bets for anything, and you can save that, use it for March Madness coming up. Again, Pressboxonline.com/offers. Um, I get it. Like we did something significantly different here in hour number one of the show. I appreciate the feedback that some of you have given. Um, you know, if it, if it wasn't for you that's that's i don't know what to tell you like i you know like that's why it's called glenn clark radio i i didn't want to do a show where i had to be a slave to something where i could just this was important to me this meant a lot to me and i very much mean it please pick up Brandon's book it's the streets of baltimore it is unbelievably powerful and I am so grateful that uh, he came in and spent time with us. And we are going to partner up. He and I were just chatting off the air. We're going to partner up and we're going to work on ways that we can do some things together moving forward. I'm going to, you know, you know how involved I am with helping up mission, but I want to get involved with what he's doing as well because that next step of the process um, in, for those that have gone through recovery is extraordinarily significant. So that will be a part of the plan for sure. Okay. All right. So, Ken Zalas just texted me. He wants his picture taken down. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I'm sorry, Ken. We got he is right. hundred percent. It's gone. I can it's you, gone. It yes. <laughs> Ken's Ken's picture does indeed come down. It was twenty four hours. Seconds, if anyone. Uh no, we we're not even give it thirty seconds. It's a thousand percent he's a thousand percent correct. That was the deal. Twenty four hours we just caught up uh, got caught up with that conversation this morning and uh, completely forgot about it. But uh again, thank you to Brandon Novak. All right. Um now as far as news not a lot. Of course, today, the significance of today is today is the first day of the window for the franchise tag. Not likely that today will be the day that the Ravens would apply the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. For the sheer purpose of who knows what could happen in the next two weeks, why would you do it on the first day of the window? Four days, there could be a change of heart. There, could, Who knows, right? Like there's just the deadline is the deadline. So when we get to March 7th, um, then you would assume somewhere in those 24 hours around there would be the day that it actually happens. We're all still working under the assumption that it will be the exclusive tag. I know there have been opinions that have been brought up where, hey, if Lamar is really looking for a fully guaranteed deal and nobody else wants to give it to him, then why couldn't you ex- you know, slap the non-exclusive tag on him and get it a lower number? I keep trying to warn you guys of this. As much as you don't think that you should be giving out fully guaranteed contracts— if you're the Atlanta Falcons and there's not a single quarterback in your division right now at all, why in the world wouldn't you be willing to do that? Short of the stink faces that you're going to get at the owners meetings, the, the, the people saying mean things about you. That's it. But two teams have already done it. The Vikings did it with Kirk Cous- It's real weird how everybody in the NFL hates Deshaun Watson or hates the Browns doing it with Deshaun Watson. There's good reason, maybe, for hating Deshaun Watson, the person. Like, he might be a detestable human being, so, like, I can understand that. But it's weird how everybody hated the Browns, but nobody really talked about it the same way when the Vikings did it with Kirk Cousins. It's very odd that the, um, the vitriol is a bit different towards the Browns and doing it with Deshaun Watson versus when the Vikings did it with Kirk Cousins. Now, the charitable way of looking at that is it was a significantly smaller, you know, contract, than the fully guaranteed contract, $230 million, the Browns gave to Sean Watson. And that's true. The more concerning way of looking at it would be to say, White's different about these two things, right? Like, that would be the more concerning way of looking at it. I don't, it's happened twice. There have been two fully guaranteed contracts that have been given out. If you're a team like the Falcons, this is your opportunity to rock the boat, to step up and say, We're going to be the team to beat. And by the way, I could say the same thing about any other team in that division. The Falcons seem to be the team that's tied most to Lamar Jackson. It might be the thought that, you know, a black quarterback in Atlanta, given the the history of Michael Vick and all of that, would be more meaningful. And they would be the team that would perhaps take a step forward to say, this would be perfect for us and our community and this franchise will go the extra step if necessary. I don't know, right? Like, I have no idea if they would. But to me, it's why there's no option for going the non-exclusive route. There will never be an option for going the non-exclusive route. Um, but we will see how that plays out over the course of the next two weeks. The other big thing today, of course, is that the Ravens will be introducing Todd Munkin in a press conference. And I feel very, very bad for Todd Munkin because we know what that press conference is going to sound like. Every question is going to be about Lamar Jackson. Lamar. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Charles is 1,000% correct. I mean, not every single one of them. There will be questions that will be just related to Todd Munkin and, and his story and his path and all of those things. But it, it would be, you know, dereliction of duty for reporters in Owings Mills today to not pepper with questions. Like, why would you take this job not knowing if Lamar Jackson is going to be your quarterback? How prepared were you for a, you know, plan A and a plan B at quarterback? Were you promised that Lamar Jackson, like those are the questions that Todd Munkin is going to have to be answered. And in a way you feel bad for him because like he has nothing to do with this. It's not his call. It's not his, you know, money that's in the middle of these things, but he took the job given the circumstances and the Ravens are going to have a press conference. And these are the relevant questions. When I told you guys last week, Hey, what do you think about Todd Munkin? I don't know who's his quarterback going to be. Well, that's, that's the relevant Todd Munkin story. So we will see how that goes today. I doubt we'll get anything that's, you know, I, I think Todd Munkin, first of all, he's had what, a week since the hire was announced. It was last Tuesday, correct? Mm-hmm. He's had plenty of time to talk with the organization about what the appropriate ways are to answer those questions. I have no doubt that Chad Steele and, you know, Sashi Brown and everybody involved in Ravens leadership has said, You know, every time somebody brings up something related to Lamar Jackson, just say, "Hey, you know, I'm not here to talk about Lamar. I'm here to talk about, you know, me or something like that." I'm sure that he has been coached up on how to handle all of those questions that are coming today. But that's they're they're coming, or they have to come. If they don't, then it's maybe an indictment on the people that are out there asking the questions because it's what matters the most. So I expect it to be what's coming today. I will have a column coming today at PressBoxOnline.com about my reaction to John Angelos meeting the media over the weekend and particularly the topic that has really struck me the most, which is John Angelos describing the Orioles as the next Tampa, saying he'd be disappointed if the Orioles weren't the next Tampa. Joining us now, a former executive with the Marlins, now a, a media mogul of his own. He's very involved with uh, the Levitard Show folks, CBS Sports HQ, and so many more places. He's been a friend of ours for a long time. He's David Sampson, and he's back with us now here on GCR. David, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking the time for us, as always.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, you told me something. I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but when the Orioles started their rebuild process, you used a phrase that has stuck with me forever, which is and I'm paraphrasing, it was don't always buy this because some teams are just always rebuilding. And I remember that, like, stayed with me, as I said, every time I talk about, hey, I think I'm on board with what the Orioles are doing, but they still have to prove there's a next step to this process, right? It can't just be tanking for tanking's sake and then always moving on from their players. When I hear John Angelos this weekend say the Orioles can be the next Tampa— I think for some people, that sounds good. You're like, well, hell, the, the Rays have been in the playoffs eight times in the last 15 years. They made two World Series. They've been a, a consistent franchise for the most part. But the other side that I hear there is, yeah, but there have been very few guys that have stuck around in Tampa, and they have been perpetually frugal. And I don't know that the Orioles have to be perpetually frugal. Are they announcing, Is is him saying that announcing to me that no matter how well it works with Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson or Grayson Rodriguez, don't get comfortable because we're not planning on spending any money anytime soon.
2: Well, so when he said that, my first thought was, do you want to be Tampa on the field or off the field? And those are two very different concepts, right? Tampa off the field, they're looking for a new ballpark. Their payroll is low. Their attendance is low. Their revenue is low. On the field, they are disciplined. They make smart decisions. And they do sign free agents. They don't get into the long-term 10-year deals, which end up not working very often. And they've been successful, I would say. And the best thing about Tampa, and if this is what Baltimore wants to be, then I love it. If they are willing to have good enough baseball people who recognize when their window's open and take advantage of it, and then acknowledge when their window's closed and then wait for the next open window, that's the way that 26 teams have to operate. But what the Orioles needed to do... Last year, I watched that team, and to me, they performed perfectly according to their skill, which means I don't think they outperformed, and I don't think they underperformed. And when you evaluate your team, if your team outperforms, that means they're not ready to take the next step. You just had an outlier year. If your team, however, is progressing the way you planned on it progressing, this would have been the year that you do add money, that you bring in veterans to complement what they did and try to take the next step. And if the Orioles under John Angelos are not going to do that, then you guys are stuck in mediocrity forever.
0: That's, that's what I worry about, man. And you know what, David, it's interesting to me. And You can tell me the way you value this. Because, yes, I would have liked to have seen the Orioles be in you know, like the Carlos Rodon market. But I get it. Carlos Rodon was always going to be the most desirable of any pitcher, you know, of the, the, the younger guys aside from the, you know, the older guys in the market. I, I really wanted them to go out and prioritize adding a veteran pitcher. But more than that... I wanted to see them be the team that stepped up and said, I, we want to be like the Braves, right? Like we want to be the team that's identifying our guys, paying them early, and telling this fan base they're going to be here for a while. And I bring that up because every time I have a conversation about the Orioles, I always hear from a caller, a, a tweeter, somebody who says, yeah, I don't care. Adley Rutschman's going to be a Yankee in five years. Why do I care? Why should I get invested? And I don't think there's anything you can do for a fan base more significant than taking someone who is a young rock star talent and saying fall in love we are committed to this player that to me in a way is even more disappointing than not spending outside money on baseball players is to as of yet have you know produced with these draft picks guys that we know are are baseball players and yet still not be willing to show an amount of commitment to saying we're going to make sure they're around for a little
2: while would you have felt better if they had signed adley to a five-year deal this year this offseason would that have made you say wow these guys are committed right now
0: yeah i mean to some extent yes. Yeah. and i get it that's not but, it's only a year more what. than right, you're gonna have him but to some extent yes
2: but he is signed to a five-year right, deal. i get it
0: i get it right i understand what you're saying i completely get that right? right
2: so so i think that what the braves are doing i understand but remember they've got corporate ownership they want to fix expenses and when, when you sign young players, all you're doing is fixing your expenses and being able to identify your liabilities as you go out and do earnings calls and figure out earnings per share and what you're doing sort of in the public market. For other teams where it's an individual owner or a family, they may not prioritize fixing expenses. They'd rather pay for the ones who are good and not have to pay for the ones who don't make it. When you do the Braves philosophy, I can promise you this, every young player the Braves have signed, not all of them, it's going to be a net win for the Braves. Right. But their ownership's willing to take that chance. So I don't blame the Angelos family for that. I think it's more, you, don't tell me, I used to say this to my GM, right? Don't tell me to sign Garrett Cole or Carlos Rodon or Carlos Correa. Find me the guy at $10 million who's going to come in and play like a $30 million player. That's where we can add value. That's what the Rays do. They get players to outperform their contracts. Carlos Rodon cannot pitch better than a twenty-seven million dollar a year pitcher. Therefore, I don't view that as a good signing, and I don't think the Orioles should be playing in that water. That's so I don't blame them for not Mm. signing a Rodon, but find me guys who no one else wants who are going to be good.
0: Well, is there an argument that that's what the Orioles that that they think that Kyle Gibson or Cole Irvin is that guy, and and Cole Irvin in particular is really intriguing to me, right? Like I got to see. The impact of, of leaving Oakland and all that foul territory, I don't know enough about the numbers, but could the Orioles make the argument to you that we we think that's what we did, that we just didn't really spend money necessarily in the process of doing it?
2: It's... The best thing about baseball is that it's binary. We're going to know in six months whether that's true or not. We'll find out whether or not the guys they signed are good. And if not, you know one of the things that Angelo said that struck me as interesting is that we've got Michael Elias, we've got mm-hmm. Brandon Hyde, these guys are here, we're set, we're good. I would never really say that about my GMs and managers. Granted, we would fire a manager every year. <laughs> but that said, uh, you don't want to say that because if, if you don't get the performance on the field, you've got to make changes. Even if they're the wrong changes, you've just got to look like you're doing something different. So I wouldn't say that Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde, Brandon, who I've known forever, he was a coach in our system yep. and at the major league level forever. He's an amazing man and a great manager, but he hasn't earned the right to have a lifetime contract. I don't think anybody has.
0: I, I, by the way, we agree. David Sampson is with us here on GCR. It's so funny you bring that up because I like Brandon Hyde too, not just the conversations we've had. I think for the most part, he's he's pushed good buttons. The players seem to respond to him, and you know I know that that's not stuff that you can measure, but... I, it it seems to be working but to your point like in my world I would say well let's get through this year right like let's make sure that last year wasn't you know an anomaly let's make sure exactly. that this continues on that trend and I, I know there's wiggle room in what John Angelo said because he didn't come out you know right and say look you know Brandon Hyde's got an eight-year contract he's not not that anybody would do that but he didn't say he's he's definitely here for the long term there's no way of getting out of it it might be that the numbers for Brandon Hyde are so small that even if it's a three-year deal, the Orioles really could get out of it after this season. But it did sound like, to your point, an amount of commitment. And as much as I like Brandon Hyde, I, I probably would just not quite be there yet
2: with him. Yeah, there's no reason to say it, right? The, the dreaded vote of confidence, we, it's, you shouldn't give him Like what, what happened in Boston with the vote of confidence for Chaim Bloom, if the Red Sox finish behind the Orioles, finish in last place, let's say, in the American right. League East, Chaim Bloom is likely to lose his job for better or for worse, even if he's only doing the things that John Henry tells him to do. So it's really difficult to do that. The other thing that you guys should be focusing on in Baltimore is what's going on with that family. Because while of they course. did settle the lawsuit, of course. it's a big deal because yep. inside the industry there's thoughts that, and hopes that there will be a sale because it's such a mess there. And the whole issue with Masson and the fight with the Nationals, which has caused the Nationals not to be sold right now, because no one knows what they're buying when they buy the nationals because of the dispute with the Orioles and with Peter Angelos, obviously incapacitated and John and Louis suing each other and settling and fighting. You really want to get some sort of consistency and ownership. And frankly, John Angelos, whenever he does talk to the media, it doesn't make it better. It makes it worse.
0: Yeah. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And he says, right? Like he's not going anywhere either. And that the family is intending to keep the ball club and, I think there are a lot of Orioles fans that were very hopeful that that when Peter passes away, or you know, as we get closer to that moment, that there would be a sale and that maybe a. You know, in fairness, look, Peter Angelos has a two billion dollar net worth. It's not like you know there isn't money there. Like it's just we haven't we haven't seen that level of investment, and we have seen instead. The, uh, the continued reminders of it being a small market. David, so I... it's
2: the chicken and the egg, right? Because yeah. the Padres decided to spend and then came the fans and now hopefully comes the winning. The Orioles have said, we don't have the fans and therefore we're not going right. to spend the money, therefore we're not winning, and it becomes circular. And at some point the logjam has to be solved, either by spending money and winning or by getting enough good young players that you win. Because winning in baseball, there's a lagging impact on attendance, not a leading so you win one year and then you get the bump the next year, and uh, that's what you're hoping happens at Camden Yards.
0: Can I go back to something you said a minute ago? And and I, I understand and when I and I'm writing about this with the Rays, I understand the importance of exactly what you're talking about. Finding someone at a certain price that is going to outperform that price. That's you know I, as detestable as Jonah Carey was. Like that's the the, the book right? The extra two percent. That's the concept. And it makes sense from a business standpoint. I, I measure that against the romantic feelings that we have with the sport of baseball and what I talk about where even sometimes where someone's contract might not be fully worth it necessarily from baseball standpoint, from analytic standpoint, there's a love affair that exists. And, and maybe some of this is me being of a certain age in Baltimore and thinking about Cal Ripken and, and watching grown men cry around Brooks Robinson and things like that. But there's to me, a value of that that can't always be measured by data. And, you know, I I don't mean this with any offense. I don't know that a McKinsey consultant would care about that. They're much smarter than yeah. I am. But you know what I mean? Like, I think they would just say the hell with that. And I, I is it important that you consider both things when you make decisions as an organization? That, yes, the value of a baseball player, you, you want to be able to find that guy, but that sometimes that romantic connection that exists between fan and player is important even if, like, Adam Jones was never a a future MVP. He was never a a Hall of Fame caliber baseball player, but he's beloved in the city of Baltimore. He is a revered figure because of the romantic feelings we had about him. How how much does that matter for a team?
2: You think the Reds wish that Joey Votto were not under contract right now? Probably. So beloved right? When he signed that extension, it was a big deal. And then they brought in Moustakis, they brought in Castellanos, and now they're back rebuilding because that didn't work. It's dangerous if you go too far the direction you're saying. I actually did a segment on this on nothing personal, which is a show I do every day and talking about trying to get people to fall in love with the name on the front of the Jersey, not the back of the Jersey because the only thing you can guarantee as a team president is that the name on the front of the Jersey is going to never change. The back of the jerseys, by definition, even if there's a beloved figure. And and I've had so many of those guys. I mean, you're talking to someone who traded Miguel Cabrera for crying Mm -hmm. out loud. Not my favorite day in my career. Uh, But there is a, a limit to that romantic feeling because you are romantic about players, but you are more romantic about winning. So I would much rather win with people you've never heard of, because you're going to hear of them, and then you're going to love the fact that your team is winning and is smart. So I agree that both sides are important, but I always lean toward front of jersey versus back.
0: of I I get what you're saying. I completely understand it. I it is it is tough for me, and I admit it is me. I am a hopeless romantic when it comes to baseball, and I am that is that is uh, my curse, my burden, whatever it is that you want to say <laughs> that it is. Uh, again, David, nothing personal. That's uh, on YouTube every day, correct?
2: YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We're live uh, during the week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but it's available five days a week. I record it every day, and we cover all sports, baseball, culture, entertainment. So uh, check it out. It's it's We have fun doing it every day.
0: At David P. Sampson on Twitter is how you give him a follow. It's always insightful, man. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes for us this morning. I hey, really my pleasure.
2: It. Have a great day.
0: David Sampson with us. Maybe not giving me the answers that I want, sometimes you got to take your medicine, and I get that. And it, it is important, and you'll see that as I – I'm not offering a blanket statement on the next Tampa thing. I'm not. I don't think there's a blanket yay or nay to be offered. In general, the good is the good. I, I, I'm I, not going to ignore that, right? Like, I get it. I get, I get the hinky feelings of, you know, the money ball concept or that there being no human element of the decisions that you're making. It makes me feel... I, I get the heebie-jeebies a little bit, but I understand. You're doing it in name of winning, and if you win, nobody gives a rat's ass about this. Now, somebody would point out, David Sampson knows this, the Marlins won two World Series. Did that ingratiate them within the Miami community? Did it make fans in that city fall in lifelong love with the Marlins? Or did they just enjoy those two runs and think fondly of them when they look back on them? I, I think it would be more the latter than the former right like i you know i i don't think that you know there's a rabid fan base in miami because they won two world series titles it feels way more like you know for those for those falls it was electric but that having and i get it they're not a good comparison to the rays because they didn't sustain that year in year out success right like they didn't they weren't constantly in the mix and the Rays, as I pointed out yesterday, it's not like they've never kept players around. Ben Zobris, Kevin Kiermaier, Evan Longoria were all right in the territory of a decade in Tampa. That's relevant. It it matters. If the Orioles do that, and they if we get a decade of Adley Rutschman, let's be frank, that's four more years than we probably feel like we're gonna get of Adley Rutschman at this point. I'd sign me up for that. When we talk about somebody needing to play every game of their career, the hell with that. I mean, like that's those days are over. You're a career guy if you're just somewhere for the better part of a decade at this point. How long was Ken Griffey Jr. in Seattle? How how many actual seasons was he in Seattle? I bet it was about a decade, right? Like, that's about the number. He was... Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, God, Ken Griffey Jr. is 53 years old. Um, Exactly a decade, right? And then he spent another decade-plus away from Seattle. Yep,
5: 89 to
0: 99. But... Do you think of Ken Griffey Jr. as anything other than being a career Mariner?
5: Yeah, Mariner. I know he played with
3: of course, the Reds. He, right,
5: and the story of him playing for his dad's it, team and the whole it's thing. It's hard to imagine him in red, and he played for the Reds for 10 years on his own. But that's the, to, but me, to me, I can't even imagine
0: him a, in red. But a yeah. decade of significance somewhere makes you a career, whatever else you do. And he was significant for a decade in Seattle. The joy that everyone in Seattle has, thinking about, talking about King Griffey Jr. is overwhelming. They're, it's romantic. They are in love with that feeling. All right, today's show, also brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returned last night. Stand the Fan, Ross Grimsley, Ben McDonald. If you missed it, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab. Go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Later this week, Stand the Fan, Gary Steiner, and catch up with new UMBC soccer coach Anthony Adams on Thursday night, so make sure you check that out. We come back in. Some uh, Terps talk, some hoops, some lacrosse. Patrick Stevens
3: is going to join us next. It is Glenn Clark Radio. with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent.
8: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always
0: There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day Holiday Racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track.
7: That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night.
8: 100 North Point Boulevard.
7: Check out PressboxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's
0: Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. We're about to talk some lacrosse. You know you can bet college lacrosse. And if you're going to, I would encourage you to PressboxOnline.com/slash offers. Click on the DraftKings link, bet $5, get $200 in free bets. That's slash offers. It is a Tuesday, every Tuesday here on GCR. We talk a little college sports. Joining us from USA Lacrosse Magazine, as well as, of course, the Washington Post. You follow him on Discourse or on Twitter at Discourse, D1S Course. He's our buddy Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Patrick, good morning, my friend. It was good to see you on Saturday. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. And thanks for having me. Um, you know, I don't know what there is to, like it's such a weird week, right? Maryland gets this great win against Purdue. I don't think it can really even be all that stunning necessary that they turned around and lost on the road at Nebraska. Disappointing given that you know, they were they were leading late, they had a shot to win at the end of the game. They even led in overtime. Like it it's a game they absolutely could have and arguably should have won, but like this kinda is the Big Ten, right? Like the disparity between home and away, almost no matter like save for maybe Minnesota, I guess Ohio State, it's it's this is sort of what we kind of have, have expected in the league, isn't it?
9: Yeah, I mean at the end of the day it's a league where there where there's nobody other than maybe Purdue that's really like stupendous, right? Like you got a lot of good teams and Nebraska's been playing better lately. Komunaga coming on strong for them. Has has made them a lot better than they were when they came to College Park about a month or so ago. Not even about three weeks now. Uh, and so, you know, I think besides, like you said, Minnesota's not any good, and Ohio State the wheels have come off the wagon. But pretty much everybody else has got a has got a, f- a fighting chance. I mean, you look at those standings, and you know, Nebraska's seven and ten at this point, and that puts them what like three two and a half games, basically three and a half games behind third place. Yep. In yep. the league, and they're and they're in twelfth. So oh. you know they're they're three and a half back from you know from third to twelfth in the league. So uh, I, I think for Maryland, yeah, I mean they, they they didn't fall flat on their faces or anything like that. They didn't play an abysmal game. They didn't play a great game uh, out in Lincoln, but not a terrible game. And you know that is your classic reload the musket scenario, right? Like you you're coming off that great win, and 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 what do you do? Are you sharp as you'd like to be? Eh. Probably not. So I think for Maryland, you know, that week with those two games, that's still a net plus for them. And so from here on out, you certainly don't want to have the problem of tripping up on a landmine uh, against Minnesota on Wednesday. But besides that, like just pick up another couple of victories and you're going to be good to go for the, turn- for the NCAA tournament. And if you pick up more than a couple more, uh, you're probably going to be wearing a home jersey in the first round of the tournament.
0: So I, w- I wanted to talk about the realities, and I was going to frame it this way: which was more significant for NCAA tournament uh, reality specifically, the win over Purdue or the loss to Nebraska?
9: Oh, the win over Purdue That's for what sure. I, I mean, the loss the loss to Nebraska is just another quad two loss. I mean, But it, right. it is the worst thing on their team sheet now. It, it now edges out the loss to Wisconsin on the team sheet. As the worst thing that they've done all season, um, but those are their only two quad two losses. That they're that's not that's not anything terrible. There's plenty of teams that have a couple of those on their resume. Uh, but getting the victory over Purdue, that's a that is a top shelf victory of the sort of thing they didn't have. I mean, the other two quad one victories that they had were Indiana at home and, and Miami on a neutral floor. So to be able to add Purdue to that, I, I think certainly gives them a little bit more oomph than they had
0: previously and just like we all assumed before the season began this sunday maryland northwestern massive game with huge postseason implications that was didn't you and i have that when we did the college basketball preview show didn't we say this was going to be the game of the year
9: it, we certainly did. Yeah. I mean, i I, I got to believe that I was totally on the bandwagon <laughs> for Boo Booey and Chase Audiz to be the best backcourt in the, in the Big Ten, which, by the way, you can make a pretty good case that they are.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, that is wild, man. Um, what, what has, I, I, again, obviously the results are what stands out, but what has changed for Northwestern as they've, they've made this run?
9: Well, for starters, they're playing excellent defense, and they've been a good defensive team all season. Uh, but you look at what they've they've been doing of late. They hold Iowa to 60. They keep Indiana to roughly a point per possession. They keep Purdue to 58 in a in a 65 possession game. Ohio State was right there at 63. Wisconsin. They had a classic Wisconsin kind of game. They went to Wisconsin and held them to 52 in a in a possession in a game. that was in the 50s in terms of possessions. So, uh, you know, I I think that's something that's been going on there. I just mentioned Adesian and Bowie. Uh, as being two guys, first of all, does it not feel like Boo Booey was playing there right when Chris yeah, Collins I mean, a got, her, got the agree. Northwestern? Yes,
0: yes. You know, him I mean.
9: and Robbie Barron, too. I mean, all, both both of those guys, it feels like they've been there an eternity. Uh, but, you know, like when you look at the Big Ten, when you think about the best players, they are largely either big guys, whether that's uh, oh. Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Edie or or Hunter Dickinson, Or they're guards that have the ability to do some stuff in the paint a little bit. Certainly Jalen Pickett, to a lesser extent, Jameer Young. But it's not a great pure guard league. And so actually having a a great backcourt or a really high-end backcourt relative to everybody else kind of a reminder, you know, college basketball, it's a guards game, isn't it? And Northwestern has certainly shown that here. Even though they might not necessarily be what we would consider like an excellent offensive team, They are a team that does a lot of things very well, uh, you know. and one thing that they do extremely well is take care of the ball. So they force a lot of turnovers, and they don't commit a lot of turnovers, and that is, I think, driving things as much as anything else for them. They've just played really, really smart.
3: All right, let's take a
0: look. Patrick Stevens is with us here in GCR. Let's take a look at the realities. This is, for most of the other leagues in the area, the final week of the regular season. Um, and I think that Navy stands out. I still think that Towson is very relevant in this conversation. What are the realities as we get to the end of the regular season for the other teams in this area?
9: Well, let's start in the Patriot League. You mentioned Navy, which has gotten itself uh, situated correctly here. They've won six in a row and nine out of ten after a really, really rough start to Patriot League play. Hard to believe that they were 1-5 and in the league at one point. They're now 10-6, and and at this stage, they're probably looking at being either the two or the three seed in the conference tournament. Uh, they are tied with Lehigh for second and they have the head to head tiebreaker against army. Who's the fourth place team So, probably the two or the three seed. If they can beat American on Wednesday, chances are good that they're going to at least have a shot at Lehigh finishes, uh, with Bucknell and BU who are two, you know, bottom half of the league teams. Navy has to finish against Colgate who is going oh, yeah. to be the top seed. But Navy is situated in, in pretty good shape. Their seniors are playing really well right now. Obviously, we'll uh, go, if they exactly, it were to somehow
0: win that game, it would go a long way to making them feel uh, quite confident about their chances going into the Patriot League. Yes.
9: yes. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think on the one hand, if you're Navy, you sort of say, okay, uh, that that's, that's going to be a tough slog there. But right. another thing is you're going to have to go through Colgate if you want to win that tournament anyway. No doubt. So uh, that's certainly stands out that way. Loyola right now is in ninth place at 5-11 and 11 in the league. A game up on a Bucknell team that they swept. So either a Loyola win or a Bucknell loss is pretty much going to lock the Greyhounds I think into the 8-9 game in that conference tournament. And since they got swept by BU, they would need to win their last two games, both at home against Holy Cross and American and have BU lose both of its games to be able to get itself ahead of the Terriers. So Uh, There's also the possibility that there might be a tie involved with either Lafayette losing a couple games or American losing a couple games or Holy Cross losing a couple games. So it's in play, but at this stage, it certainly looks like Loyola is going to be in the 8-9 game. Uh, You mentioned Towson. Uh, They were able to clinch a top-four seed. We've been talking about this basically all season, like just get a top-four seed in the CAA tournament and go from there. They clinched it the other day. Uh, with a kind of a harrowing victory over North Carolina a and They jumped out to a 22 lead and then held on for dear life before creating some separation in the last few minutes. And so Towson finishes at Charleston and at UNC Wilmington. Uh, they're going to be the three or the four seed. It, it, and basically, uh, if, they, if they beat Wilmington, they are going to be the three seed. And if they lose to Wilmington, they're going to be the four seed. It's pretty much how it's going to play itself out here. So... In, in a lot of ways, the, the game at Charleston on Thursday is is just sort of a a bonus game in a lot of ways, uh, and that's another thing where if you can feel good about yourself, same kind of deal, right? Like if you if you go down there and win, you're probably going to feel a little bit no better doubt. about your chances. Oh, it changes uh, once
0: everything, you, no question w- once, yeah.
9: once you have to deal with them a second time or a third time, I should say. Uh, who else do we want to talk about? UMBC, yeah, uh, a team that at at home has been good and on the road has been terrible. Yep, and the. They, that's sort of the bottom line for them. When you when you look at uh, over the course of conference play, they're seven and seven in the in the league. They're one and six on the road. They're six and one at home. Uh, and randomly enough, they beat Bryant early on, who's one of the better teams in the league on the road. The home loss is understandable. They lost to Vermont, and so they close with UMass Lowell uh, tomorrow night at home, and then go to Binghamton. Uh, but this is a team that that as interesting and fun as they can be offensively. Defensively there's just not enough reason to think that this is a bunch that's suddenly uh, gonna turn on the Jets a bit and really be able to stop people when it matters most, especially since it looks like they're gonna have to go on the road, certainly no later than the semifinals at that conference
0: start. Right and then the MiAC, of course, plays another week after that, so we can uh, we can cover that when we get closer to the end of their regular season. Patrick, before we move on to lacrosse, just um anything that we that was significant in the unveiling of the top sixteen seeds.
9: Uh, I thought that a couple things that stood out were, uh, you know, the big 12 certainly got its, its respect for its depth. You know, I was a little surprised to see both Kansas state and Iowa state on the three line. The big East did not fare quite as well. We didn't see Connecticut at all, which didn't surprise me a ton. um, But, but I think did surprise a few people. And, And then Marquette and Xavier were on the four line rather than the three line. So that, that's a quick takeaway there. And also, for those that that like to study the various metrics that the committee looks at, those predictive metrics, things like Ken Palm and Sagarin and things like that, are not the things that are are getting weighed heavily in this. There's some influence, but this is much more a results-based business. And those teams that had better results-based numbers were the ones that tended to fare better than the ones that had the better predictive ones.
0: Okay, that's interesting. We'll file that away for Selection Sunday. And we I, should
9: we should mention too one other thing on the local front. Yeah, the, I know you were at the, Morgan
0: last night. Was was that just because Magic Johnson was there that it was so rabid at the Hilton House? It was
9: it was wild. Magic Johnson was there. It was Greek night, and it, it was there were kids that were trying to get in and were basically like we're basically saying no, they're not letting any more people in. Wow. It, it was packed. I have I have never a Morgan game there that was
0: that high. And really, they played exceptionally well. Man, I regret not going now. So, I really I know I and I felt that literally I saw you tweet last night. I was like, crap. I <laughs> I wanted to go. And I feel stupid. Actually, then I saw some pictures that I saw Reggie Holmes was at the game last night and was, Reggie uh, Holmes
9: was at the game too. Yeah. So, you know, they put they got a really balanced effort last night. It wasn't just the Isaiah Burke show. They got an awesome game from Lewis Johncomb, the big guy. Seventeen point six boards, four steals, two blocks he had a he had an offensive rebound with a five about five minutes to go that led to a kick out three that pushed it out to about ten or so, and that really I thought was the play of the game for them. will thomas played great with twenty four points and, and that's how they're going to have to play they don't have a ton of guys at this point. Malik Miller's not coming back uh so you know they are they they have now picked off Norfolk State. And NC Central and Howard all at home this year. Okay. Uh, There's another team. There's another team that has done extremely well at home and has not done a whole lot uh, away from home during conference play. And so, you know, at least they play better. And then you get the random result down in Norfolk, where Coppin State beat Norfolk to snap a nine-game skid last night. It was a it was a really really wild night in the Miac, basically the craziest Miac Monday of the season. And that, and that, as you well know, is always saying
6: That, so. that is
0: definitely saying something. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Patrick, you, of course, I, I referenced, we saw you on Saturday. You were out as Loyola took care of Johns Hopkins. I know that's a depleted Johns Hopkins team, and I, I kept trying to refer to that during the broadcast. It was hard for me to t- determine exactly what the line was between Hopkins having played so many games in such a short amount of time to start the season – losing two of their top attackmen. And on the flip side, we know how good Loyola's defense is because we just saw it the week before that against Maryland. Like, it's, it's not as if this, we could suggest this was a fluke. It was just hard for me to find the line between exactly how dominant Loyola was versus maybe this isn't a true reflection of exactly what Hopkins is.
9: Yeah, and, and you know, there are times, you know, when I'm sitting there – Covering a game, and and the thought goes through my mind: What exactly am I going to write about? Yeah, and that was, and that was very, very predominant in my mind in the second half of that game. What do I really take away from it? Uh, and I, I, do think we can say a lot about the cohesion of the of the Loyola defense with wires and and Hughes, and and certainly the short sticks playing really, really well for them. And, and Luke Stout didn't quite stand on his head like he did a week earlier against Maryland, but he was plenty good enough. Yep. Uh, I think it was five goals allowed and ten saves, and you're going to take that every single time. Uh, But I thought that was as much because the Loyola defense was really connected. And also, let's be honest, like Hopkins couldn't run by anybody the other day. I mean, just they had nobody that could do anything on that front. And you're watching that thinking, all right, well, there's no reason for Loyola to do anything particularly cute at the other end because if they just simply run their six-on-six offense, they'll – they'll find a way to get to like nine or 10 goals and it'll probably be enough. And, you know, they scored one off a face off and had a couple extra man goals and wound up at 13. And, and that proved to be more than enough for them uh, to be able to win that game. So I, I certainly came away liking what I saw from Loyola. They, you know, you could make a case right now that they are uh, 40% of the way or a third of the way to a big 10 championship. Uh, they've got Rutgers coming up yeah. this week to try to make it the halfway point. They obviously don't play the other three teams in the league and at least not until the postseason, anyway. Uh, but I think there's a lot to like about what we saw from Loyola and Hopkins is obviously an unfinished product, even though you, you do have to acknowledge that those two victories early on uh, helped a lot, you know, the victories over Jacksonville and, and Georgetown. Uh, one thing you would also take away from that game, especially if you saw uh, Hopkins and Carolina earlier in the week is that, you know, they need to get Russell Melendez and, and, yeah. and Jacob Angelus back because yeah. if not, it's it's going to be a slog for them simply to get nine or ten goals in any game.
0: Uh, and I think you could say Loyola still has to clean some things up offensively. Uh, a couple of freshmen that were giving the ball away a few times. Like it, it wasn't perfect, but I I think I I'm comfortable saying they're legit, right? Like they're for three, yeah, games, and,
9: and, and, and 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 to kind of go back to what I was saying, like they they didn't get cute, they didn't overthink things, right. you know? They're they're not perfect, but there wasn't a need to be, you know, the, the need was to just don't put yourself in a spot where you're providing opportunities for a team that on that particular day, couldn't create them for themselves. And, And basically for 58 minutes, Loyola did exactly that. And by that point it was, it was garbage time and, Hopkins threw three in over the last two minutes or whatever. But if you're Loyola, you're thrilled keep you know being up 13-5 or whatever it was with two no minutes doubt.
0: to go. It. it will be interesting to me to see if more teams go to the 10-man ride a little bit earlier uh, against Loyola after how they've handled it the first couple weeks of the season. We'll see how that goes. The other thing, what did we learn, uh, if anything, in Maryland's first game without Logan McNaney? They, they, they beat Syracuse. It's a good thing you know, they gave up maybe a few more goals than we're used to seeing Maryland give up, but what did we really learn in the first, you know, game of the, I don't want to say post-Logan McNaney era, but at least for the rest of the season?
9: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, is that I actually think that, uh, that, that, that when you look at them with, with, with Teddy Dolan, like, I think that over the long haul, that that isn't as much of a drop-off as you would expect it to be. Like, I know you saw him at the same time I did up at the Fall Classic yep. uh, against the U.S. national team in the fall, and I came away really impressed with him. Yep. And so, you know, obviously, you're probably you're facing a better caliber of competition on a week in, week out basis at Maryland than you did at, at Binghamton. But I, I think they can get by there. I, I just keep looking at things like, yeah, they won 24 out of 31 faceoffs, and they outshot Syracuse 50 to 29, and they got by 15 to 12, which. You know, it's not. You know, you go back and you look at the numbers against Loyola. They had a great face-off advantage in that game, uh, and took almost 50 shots, and 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 were pretty much smothered there. Right? It was what 12-7 was the final of that one. So, uh, to me, it's not just simply that that you've got you're giving up 12 goals on 29 shots. Although that's part of it, and, and goalie play has something to do with it. But you've got uh, a little bit of inefficiency in terms of taking full advantage of your possession advantage. I mean, I think you shoot 15 of 50, so you're shooting 30%, which isn't bad, uh, but it's certainly not what they did last year, and you don't expect them to do what they did last year because that was you know, just a, a once-a-decade type of team. Uh, but there is, a, there is a question there as to uh, how efficient that team is going to be this season. Uh, they c- certainly have some work to do, uh, and the fact that they do have Luke Weirman winning all those face-offs is a big help, Uh, but that's basically, I think, the thing that's going to allow them to have some time to actually sort through these issues, because if they didn't, it's not hard to imagine Syracuse coming away with a victory in that
0: game. I get that. All right, it's time. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? Uh, Patrick, I'm going to bring you one. It was a request. Uh, After last week, and I can't remember who triggered it that I said it, who, who did we have on that had added three teams last, last year, and that was the reason they got it the It was line. Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano. So after we had done it, I was reminding everybody what the rules were, and I got a request, and it was from someone named Ryan who said, Glenn, I know this is going to sound random, uh, but I looked at it because I, I said the rules are they had to play five years past 1980. They had to be an all-star at least once. I was wondering if this person is someone you have used before because I was obsessed with knuckleballers. And this person does meet the rules, although admittedly, I think this is – I can't believe there is a former Florida – oh, I don't want to – damn it, I already gave you one. Well, you well yeah, yeah, well, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that part for, yeah. char, for Charlie Huff. Yes, right? 75 years old. Think about the fact that someone who played for that organization could somehow be 75 years old. That math is amazing. Who are the other three teams for Charlie Huff?
9: The other three teams for Charlie Huff besides the Florida Marlins well, he was definitely an LA Dodger,
0: most certainly,
9: and he was definitely a Texas Ranger
0: for a decade in both a decade in both stints, and he still had two more multi-year stops in his career.
9: And I believe he made that stop with the White Sox. Oh my right? God,
0: <laughs> it's unbelievable! That's just unbelievable. Four for four on Charlie Huff. Um, I'm going to. I had a. I had one that was a bit easier that I was going to chase it with. Uh, you know what? I'll just go with it anyway. I won't mix it up. Uh, a four-time All-Star, uh, four teams for Justin Morneau.
9: Justin Morneau is actually harder than that. I, you um, know what's so funny?
0: I knew he, – he, Right.
9: Minnesota and Colorado those are the, for sure. For I Justin only Morneau. knew those
0: two. I didn't know either of the other two.
9: Okay. Um, did he have a Cleveland cameo? Not
0: Cleveland, no. No. Okay. Um
9: and was he a Met for a minute? Oh
0: no, wow, well, you, you I can't I thought you were I I did not remember either one of these for the record. So you and I are together on this one. You, you Griffin, do you uh, was he a Yankee? No, he was not oh, a Yankee. Wow. Man. He was a pirate. He was a trade deadline acquisition of the pirates in twenty thirteen. And then he finished his career. I don't remember this at all in twenty sixteen with the White Sox. Not Okay. Even that that a, is a, a little that,
9: bit that I like I could vaguely recall you telling me with the with the uh with the Pirates yeah, but I do not zero remember zero
0: recollection Boy. of him with the White Sox and he played you know 58 games it's it's not like a weird thing where he played 6 games and went on the DL like he played for the better part of the season but I have no memory of it whatsoever. All right, what's the uh, schedule look like for you this week my friends?
9: Uh gonna do American and Navy plus uh Georgetown and St. John's tomorrow and then Making the trip up to Emmitsburg on Friday, they're healthy now. The Mount is, yeah. and they've won back-to-back games. And it was pretty telling at the end of the Canisius game as the PA announcer gets on and says, "And Friday it's Senior Day, and Rick Pitino brings his Iona Gales to Emmitsburg." <laughs> it's like, oh boy! Like yeah. uh, I think uh, I think Rick Pitino plus Emmitsburg is is an interesting formula to say the least. It'll be so el- it'll be electric.
2: That
0: It'll it'll be electric That's, in that building it, on Friday.
9: Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean I, I would actually I would actually tell you that for for a one of the mid major leagues, it's going to be one of the best environments of the season. Yeah. By the way, Towson had a great environment the other day, for as did Morgan yesterday. But Towson had a great crowd for North Carolina A and T for its senior day. That's so awesome. uh, on the weekend, I think it's going to be a, a DC weekend for lacrosse and or a Saturday for lacrosse and basketball, Maryland and Northwestern on Sunday to, to close out the
0: week. At Discourse, D1S Course is how you follow him. Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine, Patrick Stevens. Always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, all right? It's...
9: Awesome, Glenn. Take care.
0: It's Patrick Stevens with us, as he always is, here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Yeah, Magic Johnson was on campus at Morgan yesterday because his company took over the... Um, uh the food services at uh what are you dining services like Like the catering or whatever and i when i saw because i got a a message saying it was going to happen i just assumed that meant like at noon he'd go over and you know shake some hands and leave he stuck around all day he went and spoke to the basketball teams he went to the game last night like both games last night because the women's game was before the men's game very cool if i had known this
6: i wouldn't bet on howard and, um, oh, did you bet? What's yeah, wrong with you?
0: Oh, what is wrong with you? And yeah, as as Patrick pointed out, between that, and apparently it was Greek night last night, and it was. Look, I have been, I I have told people before, like everybody always says, hey, what's the coolest thing you've done? And everybody expects me to say like the Super Bowl. Not at all. The two coolest things I've ever covered were Reggie Holmes senior night at Morgan. They played Coppin, and this was one of the two, you know, the back to back teams that Morgan took to the NCAA tournament under Todd Bozeman. And Reggie being a Baltimore kid, like a kid from Cherry Hill, I swear to God, the entire neighborhood not only showed up, but before the game, and the game started late already because the women's game, I think, went to overtime beforehand. And first of all, it's Morgan Coppin, so there's already a, right. a massive crowd for Morgan Coppin. Then it's senior night for Reggie Holmes, who had this just unbelievable career at Morgan, and like the entire neighborhood walked down to the court with him for like the pregame <laughs> like you know, when you bring your right, yeah, your yeah, family yeah, out. You out, exactly ceremony, right. Yeah. It wasn't just his mom and dad; it was like everyone he knew growing
5: up—cousins, cuz from the block. I'm telling you, it goes. <laughs> be,
0: it exactly right that it was. You know, oh yeah, this is my homie. Like yeah. it was a hundred people that walked out on the floor with Reggie Holmes. Well deserved. Like arguably, I mean, I guess Marvin Webster is the answer, but you could argue that Reggie Holmes is the greatest player in school history. I mean, Reggie Holmes was a effing joy to watch play and the atmosphere and the vibe in that building and and i've covered a lot not as many as patrick but i've covered a lot of morgan games over the years just because i have an affinity for morgan my grandmother taught there for a long time like I, I i love every local school right i do like it's just the way that it works but i love when when that building when the band's in there mm-hmm. and when it's going man like there is nothing the old building at Coppin could be like that. The new building is wonderful at Coppin. It's just, It's immaculate. It's spectacular. But it doesn't have the same energy in part because it's bigger and it's harder to fill, right? Like, even for a Morgan game, it's tough to fill that building, right? Like, And it's great because they can do events there and it's, it's wonderful. It has all these amenities. It's a great place. But Hillfield House, older building, the atmosphere when it's jumping, like, it's... It's almost nothing that compares in local sports. My other favorite night ever was also at Hill Fieldhouse, but it was the night that during the lockout, um, LeBron James and uh, Carmelo Anthony and all of them arranged a, um, a, I guess, a drooly game there, and it was LeBron, Carmelo, Chris Paul. God, I'm, I'm blanking on... I've never seen anything like it. I mean, there was... But when Patrick says there were people that were turned away, there were thousands of people that were turned away from yeah. getting into the building, and that's on top of the, if they say that that building can hold 4,500 people, there were 6,500 that got in. It was not just, you're not going to get a seat, it's, we're going to let you in, and you might not have room to stand. Like, I, they told, Todd Bozeman snuck me in. That's the, the story. They didn't do press credentials mm. at all. It was, the game was supposed to happen, at, I want to say, at a high school And then somebody was like, That's not gonna work. Are you thinking about what we're doing here? I've never seen anything like it. And yet what I always talk about is the cool thing about that night is I remember saying as Luke Jones, who I was working with at the time, I I got him to come with me because we were doing the morning show together the next day. He was filling in for Drew. And I had said, like, I I think we should experience this. It was the middle of summer. I just had a feeling. So I called Todd Bozeman, who was the coach at Morgan at the time. I said, dude, how do I make sure... I can't wait. I can't show up at 8 o'clock. People were showing up at 8 in the morning to camp out, to make sure it was like a $40 ticket, to make sure they got in. I'm like, I can't do that. And he was like, we'll figure it out. Let me know when you get here. We'll figure it. And he literally snuck me in like an huh. underground door in order to get me into the building. And I looked at Luke at one point, and I was like, dude, there are so many people here. I'm actually worried about, like, trampling. You know, like, I'm legitimately... Like, it was that tight. Congested like, as someone who's been to a lot of those types maybe. of concerts over the years, and, like, you know, you hear the stories about, like, the Travis Scott, you know, tragedy. Like, I legitimately had a moment where I was like, dude, I'm a, I've never seen this many people in this little space. To the point where, like, it was kind of pushing to the floor a few times. And, like, they had to stop and back everybody up. But once the game started, everyone was so into it. There was no, like, my concerns dissipated because everyone was just enjoying watching these dudes play, frankly, harder than they would play. And this yeah. this isn't an all this, like, it was an all-star game, but they were defending. Like, they were trying. There was some pride about the Summer League thing. <laughs> I, oh, my God, it was That's so awesome. cool. That's it awesome. was just the coolest yeah. thing I'd ever experienced is those dudes in that space. Kevin Van Valkenburg and I were there and, like, like a few times, by the way, Kevin, like, literally found a chair somewhere and just plopped it down, like, on the baseline and said, I'm going to sit here, <laughs> like, I don't care, the rest of us had to stand the entire time because there was nowhere to sit, um, I've never seen anything like it, man, and I, like, I was cool with Gary Neal at the time, so, like, Gary was part of that and
5: we we had a good chat and like, oh my god, it was just oh, it was the coolest thing. It was just the is that something thing. They, like they promoted in the weeks before or like a day it was before, a day like before, like a day before? Yeah. See, like, something like that doesn't happen anymore. It was and so organic. it's just really nice to hear like
0: and know, oh Durant of, sort of course. Like, what, what am I thinking? Of? It was uh it was hoodie Durant right. It was the summer uh, where Durant was, was just going on like scoring sixty points a game in summer league games. So it was LeBron, Durant, Melo, Chris Paul. I can't even. I know Will Barton was part yeah. of it because he was local. Like, yeah, and you got Melo from the city. Yeah, you got Durant, dude, couple, and that was, the, it, was the, it. Was it was the D.C. Yeah. Baltimore? They that was the concept. It was whatever the Goodman League, whatever whatever the two leagues were called at the time. The Goodman League, I want to say it was a, supposed to be like an All Star game between the two. Mm-hmm. the The Baltimore Summer League versus the D.C. Summer League was the concept. But LeBron James was just like, "There's a game, cool, I'm showing up," like because there was a lockout going on and they wanted to play some basketball, dude. It was. Oh, was, I still get the hairs on my—they just stand up. No offense to the Super Bowl, which is awesome. Nothing can compare that to that I mean, experience, yeah, that Dude, I don't think nothing. the Super Bowl is offended. Yeah, I mean, I would, they, it's going to be all right, right? Yeah. Like nothing could ever compare to what it felt like. Yeah, they're going that to pay per view. Yeah, right. no, they're not going to pay per view, Joe. <laughs> That's not happening. No matter who
6: was. The, wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. No, some some former executive said something stupid about it on a podcast recently. Like I, I don't mean, understand why the NFL just doesn't oh, put the Super Bowl okay. on pay per view. Because you're going to find out very quickly that while there are 100 million people that want to watch the Super Bowl, there's 10 million that are willing to pay for it. Like th- th- You're so. giving up. a it, it's, stu- it's not worth the conversation. This is someone, a well thought of, per- I think it's a former ESPN exec, something like that, that was on
5: one of the Levitard podcasts that suggested it. No is the answer. No. I they, think they'll find ways to provide amenities and then
6: provide a pay-per-view option. So, like, maybe there's like a, like, no commercial.
5: Oh, I don't know. No, no. People like the commercials. I exactly. Um, like the, I don't know. I w-
0: I, like, they might find a way to make it some kind of
5: ac- access.
0: Or they make it like when, when we're doing things in like 3D now or whatever, like a virtual reality way. So they'll do something. Yeah. But there's no world in which they are just going to give up the biggest audience in
5: all of broadcast. You don't do that. That's called. I did see some, like, the World Cup final, like, quadrupled the numbers. It was globally, probably yeah. not in America. Some
3: <laughs> like crazy.
5: You're not going to give up the
0: biggest broadcast. I, it's an interesting, I'll, I'll pull that up at some point. Um, it's not going to happen. It's insane, it's very stupid, and it's not even worth the, the people that were trying to give it. There was a lot of people that were trying to put light on it, like, oh, this could the NFL's not thinking about it. He wasn't saying people, this is what happens somebody says something, and all of a sudden, dumb people repurpose it. It's
6: honest to God, it's like the thing that I tweeted last week. What we need is Lamar to get signed right now, That's, so we stop talking about
0: it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, that'd be nice. I'm not opposed to that, but I'm saying like, the way that it's, it's not John Harbaugh's fault that you think he thought, you think he said, Lamar Jackson will 200% be our quarterback. That's not his fault. He answered a question that had nothing to do with that. You mashed two things together. That's not on him. It's on you. This guy was just hypothesizing something. He wasn't representing the NFL. He wasn't saying this is something the NFL is considering. He was just talking out of his ass for the sake of talking out of his ass, but it got repurposed by someone on the internet, and all of a sudden it's a game of telephone, and somebody's saying,
8: dude, the NFL
0: might take the Super Bowl to pay-per-view. not, I'm not saying you. Um, Way to go, never Nobody is thinking about that. Some guy, just, it'd be like me walking on here today and being like, Maybe the Ravens could trade for Dan Marino, and all of a sudden, later today on Twitter, like, report: Ravens considering bringing Dan Marino out of retirement. Stop! God damn it! That's gonna I'm going to take it as do
5: It's my job to bring you the the crazy. Trying to get me? You're trying uh, to you're trying to whip me up. Maybe that's what you're Trying to, do? Hot trying yeah. uh, to whip me jo- up
6: Is bit? the Daniel Jones thing a real headline? He like wants 45 million. million? That is that real?
0: Does come off as a? It was reported by a reporter. Oh, it was okay. When I saw that, I thought it wasn't real. I don't know why this is hard for people. The quarterbacks are the quarterbacks. This is the way it works. Like, pretending like the toothpaste goes back in the tube. I, I really think that people believe that they could make, because of the Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray deals last year, that that would make you forget about where the market was going. I think Warren Sharp tweeted yesterday about how Deshaun Watson is about to become the first quarterback ever to have a fifty million dollar,
6: uh, uh, fifty four million dollar cap, cap hit. Uh, yeah.
0: Anything more than I think the number was thirty nine million dollars. Patrick Mahomes. This will be the first player to ever have more than a forty million dollar cap hit. Will be Deshaun Watson. And in the comments, it you're saying it like this is how crazy what the Browns did was. But the, a lot of the comments are like, yeah, but he ain't gonna be the last. Like you guys are trying to make it seem like, well, Browns screwed everything up, and that's
3: nuts. You can feel that all you want to feel that.
6: Somebody's gonna have to match it at some
0: point. That's the yeah. way this
3: works. There are the quarterbacks.
0: You have to have a quarterback. Look, I, I would not give Daniel Jones forty five million dollars. I understand that. Like, I, I wouldn't do
5: that. I I mean, would he's ju- not, he's not crazy like and completely out of the like realm of asking for that though. No, Cousins got a thirty five million dollar extension just this year,
0: and
3: he beat him. It's the a playoffs. market value of a good quarterback,
5: but. So one of those thing's I beat that guy, so there's, I should be paid more. There's, that there's an argument for
0: there really is to me the haves and the have-nots, right? Like Daniel Jones is still he hasn't proven that he's a have. He's proven that he's talented, but I would I would I would get it. I think the Giants are going to end up tagging him for sure and that's more like a let's get back to me in a year type of scenario. That's where the tag almost becomes and it hurts them because then they can't tag Saquon Barkley, but no offense, as, Saquon Barkley's great you have to have a quarterback more than you have to have a running back in this league um you know I would certainly say Saquon Barkley is a better running back than Daniel Jones is a quarterback but that's just not the way the world works uh you have to have a quarterback so it seems like it, unless they just they are so confident internally about his trajectory that they believe he is on the the verge of being a star you know I think he's going to end up getting the tag and that's the way that it's going to go there Print issue of press box is available. Gunnar Henderson's on the cover. I'd like to see him get some money too, by the way. That would be yeah. nice. I'm ready to spend everybody's money, man. I just want to spend We're everybody's not to David money. Sanderson. I know, right? David
3: Sands. I,
0: I I I know what he's saying. I get it. But Hey, right, shut up. We, we'll have that conversation another day. Gunnar Henderson's on the cover of Pressbox. Go get it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms any of the hundreds of locations around town. And my column is up at pressboxonline.com, by the way, which is about this. And I, I do say specifically, I get it. Like, I understand the benefits of trying to be the next Rays. I, significantly, I do. I just don't think you need to announce your frugality. The part of that that is problematic to me, the Rays have never been, in, since 2008, when, when they changed everything by making that run to the World Series, they've never been outside of the bottom third of Major League Baseball in payroll. Never, not for a season, did they say, well, this year we'll spend a little bit more to try to make that next push. Now, they got back to a World Series, albeit in a pandemic year, so I don't know how we judge the 2020 Rays. Like, it's, it's tough to say, would they have been a World Series team if there had been a full they and still complete?
6: had Blake Snell. And
0: like,
3: I'm not trying to take it. Yeah. I, they had,
0: I just don't know, man. I don't know. It's so weird to judge the 2020 season in any way. But there is a strong argument for, hey, what was missing post-2008 was any time that you wanted to step up and make a slightly additional investment to try to say, now we want to go win a World Series. And if the Orioles are announcing their frugality, if that's part of what saying we're the next Tampa is, is we're always going to be a bottom third payroll no matter what, I have a huge problem with that. There will be times where you're going to have to make tough choices, and you might say, I don't think this guy is worth this amount of money, and we've got to let him go to the market or try to trade them because we, if Austin Hayes is demanding an absurd amount of money right now in order to do a deal, I could understand where the Orioles would sit back and say, "That's that's not what we're going to do. But to specifically announce your frugality and say we're always going to be top, Or bottom third. And by the way, for the most part, the Royals have been bottom sixth. Like, they've almost always been 25th or lower. I think there was one year where they happened to jump up 21st in there. But for the most part, they've always been at the bottom bottom. Announcing your frugality makes no sense to me. There are going to be times where it will make sense to spend money. Do a little bit more. Say, we're on the cusp. Let's do something. To to David Sampson's point, signing a $10 million, something that for that year makes a difference in trying to close the gap in winning a World Series instead of consistently always taking the Wall Street approach. And as we know, that's what The Rays did. If you read the extra 2%, which I don't really want to recommend any longer because Jonah Carey's a, a true piece of... I mean, he's a piece of shit. I'll just say it. Like, he's one of the worst humans that's ever lived. Um, so I don't really want to recommend the book. But when I read the book originally, before we knew what Jonah Carey was, it did teach me a lot about taking the Wall Street approach to baseball and saying, constantly finding value. I've been reading Evan Drellich's book right now about the Houston Astros. It's a reminder, Jeff Lunau was a McKinsey consultant. Not a baseball mind, a McKinsey consultant. And came to the sport to bring those principles. I get it. They're helpful for businesses. Very helpful for businesses. But sometimes... It doesn't hurt to spend a little money. All right, I've I've raved about it. Let's come back in and get a tidbit and tubular to wind down for a Tuesday edition of GCR.
8: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always
7: It's the freshest breakfast in the world, real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
5: Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas only models. A RAV4
3: can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes
7: at youtube.com slash pressbox online and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything. I-, I swear. Second
0: thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Okay, so, Here's Glenn. So thank you, uh, by the way, Paul. I appreciate that. Charles just said something, and I realized that I was reacting to the wrong part of the sentence. You realize the more interesting part of the sentence that you just said. You were watching the Daytona 500 uh, on Sunday.
5: Yeah, that uh, are so you a are you a NASCAR fan? No, no. So that was the first full race I've watched. You watched the entire um, watched think.
2: the
0: entire
5: NASCAR race. So we went we went stop and get food in the middle, but oh, man. saw the beginning, saw the end. Um, it was right after the acro and tumbling meet. So um, okay, all right, got to see that. Um. But yeah, uh, my I gotta credit my a- roommate. acrobatics um, and tumbling is a varsity sport at Stevenson. Maybe. I gotta credit my roommate. I'll draw him right now, uh, Zach Donahue, Lil Shrimp Shrimpstick on in- Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, he gets me to watch literally any sport that is available. So is that like your deal? Like if service. if
0: he encourages something, you're like, I'll give it a shot. Like see how I feel about it. Yeah, like a Little Shrimpstick doesn't steer
6: you wrong. No,
5: nah, that- I it, are you? It okay. becomes a game where I'll walk into into our room and. I'll just be like, oh, curling's on.
6: Oh, well, curling
5: is awesome. Cricket. So that doesn't... Actually, cricket's kind of dope, too. Oh, man. Yeah. There's um, been
0: cornhole on. All the sports are good. Um, I disagree about NASCAR. I can't. Yeah. I, there's two That's... sports that I have tried desperately. Desperately. And I say I have watched whole races. I've watched big races. I've watched everything in my life desperately trying, in part because I don't want to limit the jobs that I could possibly get. I tried on so many occasions with NASCAR. So many. I, I had a great relationship with the folks that ran the track out in Phoenix and they wanted me to do events out there. They wanted me to like broadcast from the tra- they they were and I just couldn't. I desperately tried to get into it. I tried watching races there in person. I tried watching races on t- none of it. It all stunk to me. I just could never. I, I never I'm trying to say this in nice way possible. It always seemed to me like if it was a real it's le- the wrong way of saying this we never how many times you watch a marathon, for example, and two people finish at the exact same time
6: sure okay right like like how many it, times it, it, I don't doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. happen yeah,
0: somebody's running like
6: like ha- after six hundred laps what
0: is the
3: how val- is there what guys, is the validity of and I, God, So I, what
5: I've noticed is they've the technology has made it a better view viewing experience and they've kind of dramatized it with like certain rules that they do so like what i noticed which i don't think is something that happens usually in nascar races is like there was like s- four cautions within like the last yeah I, I, there were a lot of, lot and of that. what that does is it stops everybody on the track it kind of lets right. everybody catch up and they call so it what like what or whatever. this dude uh I think his name's Ricky Stenhouse. Yes, he was not leading for a good amount of the race, right? And he ended up winning. Um, some, so, someone so, like uh, uh, Bubba, he was in the back, and then he ended up in the top ten. Um, so I'm,
0: and I'm asking this
3: with all due respect: what is the validity of that? And I so and it was I'm really not...
5: cool to see like the whole ros- roster of everybody who was in the race and constant moving up and down of the right. names. That was pretty cool, and like I don't. If I'm being honest, uh, my roommate just made the viewing experience better because he knows a lot more about NASCAR, and he just had something negative to say about each and every driver. Like,
3: gotcha. Okay, all right. Yeah. I can it, see where that, I can see where that would be more fun. I can yeah. get that.
0: But my my problem always watching NASCAR, and I don't like saying this to anybody in the sport because it sounds like I'm suggesting that it's fixed. I'm not suggesting that it's fixed. I'm saying like it sets up for, did somebody really win a race, or did you just have a bunch of cars go run around a track you know however many hundreds of times and at the end one of them is going to happen to be in front like did we actually learn something about who's better than somebody else in the course of this this competition or is it just sort of like eh this time by dumb luck this guy happened to be the guy that was at the front
5: so what did get me excited was like an hour before they did the like start your engines and all that they had like an announcement and it was like a Ret- coming out of retirement, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson, that was cool, and Travis and Pastrana's was, yeah. cool. And like, he has eighty-three wins, and he switched his number, so he's worn forty-eight all his career, and he switched it from forty-eight to eighty-four. Oh, so it had me thinking that whole hour before the race started, Jimmy Johnson's gonna win the race, right? So, so he's can, gonna win the Daytona. Yeah, and that he ended up crashing out. He was he was close, like Dude, around eighth, tenth place. I've
0: tried so many times with NASCAR, man. I have tried so many times in so many different ways, and I have friends. I Donnie a friend of mine that drove in NASCAR. Like, I've got a friend who's a crew chief right now. Like, I say I'm not as close with John Klausmeyer as I was with Donnie. Oh, I mean, I don't know John's. I think John would be okay with me calling him a friend. Um, like, I just don't. And I love I think Travis Pastrana is one of the coolest humans that I've ever come across. But I just the competition doesn't seem right, man. It just seems like let's send Why a bunch of cars driving around a track for a little while, and then when we get to the end. It's what people say basketball is like. I don't need to tune in until the fourth quarter of an NBA game, right? Like, except, really, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like,
6: like, why don't you just do the final twelve? Like, there's yes. gonna be sixteen cautions. Like, why just not?
0: race through all that, do twelve, because like, you know it wouldn't be a sporting event. You couldn't get people to tune in for that or come to a track. But like, that's the, that's the only part that's really gonna matter. Get the fast forward to that part because nothing else outside of who gets wrecked, outside of who gets knocked out, what really matters. What? Imagine watching a highlight of a race. What are you showing from lap
6: six? You showed other than Johnson a, spinning out. And then, other yeah. than a crash.
0: Other than something that takes somebody out of the race. That,
5: so Zach was trying to show me this, uh, the part of the race where that was the big crash out at the end. And he was just, because he, like, he doesn't like Bubba. So he was like, look, Bubba hit Denny right there, right there. And I just see three different cars hit each other. I got questions other, like,
0: about someone who specifically doesn't like the one black guy no he. I he's, gotta,
5: he's asian himself so right, i mean
0: i'm not saying like it's just it's a little
5: awkward um well his, his
0: and clearly thing was, he's your boy so yeah. like obviously it's not that but it's just a little bit awkward whenever you hear that somebody doesn't like the one there's not, one you can't say because i like the other black guy i'm not
5: gonna speak on why he doesn't specifically like bubba but he like i uh mentioned earlier like what added to the the viewership was I'm I'm gonna admit was him like having like these funny things to say whether they're good or bad things to say about each driver. I get so that. I get had that. A, he had a lot of bad things to say. And about that could be fun.
0: That could be fun during. The, I just man, I've tried so. And the same thing with golf. I have tried a billion times with golf. A billion. I keep trying to make it, sign it, find a way for me to feel it's compelling, and I just can't do it. I can't pretend like I think it's compelling. I don't. I just think it's a bunch of dudes, and I know same, it's, same
6: thing four p m on Sunday you'll tune in, and then I won't even, you won't mean, even do
0: that. Uh, for the masters maybe you know like for for the big ones when when right. I know
6: I'm gonna have to it used to be
0: that I felt like we had to book a golf guest like after each before and after each gol- big the the four big golf tournaments. I don't even do that anymore, like there's gotta be a
5: huge storyline coming you out got of Drew it. Forrester you know. yeah i mean like
0: <laughs> correct like it, I just don't.
5: Sorry, Man, I this don't. That's kind of way I feel anything. about now. Like, I didn't give NASCAR a chance before, but now, I mean, if I see the Daytona on TV, I'll. Okay, but like I'll next week it. when they're in California or Arizona. Oh, yeah. Like, there, Zach you- was talking about Truck Series on Thursday and like okay. you're gonna sit down and watch nope. okay thank you. all <laughs> right that's what i was nope. yeah all right very,
0: Sorry. very good won't wash the trucks all yes. right we got a one down let's get a tidbit tidbit is brought to you today by birdland sports so excited to have birdland sports on board and they've got your neck maybe after you heard david sampson today you're like maybe i'm on board with being the next tampa and if you are there's a next tampa t-shirt available right now at BirdlandSports.com. Free to go pick up and celebrate it and say, hell, if we can go to the playoffs eight times in the next 15 years, I'm all in. The Hillbilly Hayes t-shirt is very popular. The Maverick-style Gunnar Henderson t-shirt is very popular. Um, the Thank God I'm a Country Bird t-shirt is very popular. Um, it's it's so cool. I can't wait. Um, we're going to be giving away shirts in the coming weeks, and I will give you some more details about that. But I'm stoked for our partnership with Birdland Sports birdlandsports.com and you, you will get this in plenty of time for opening day so check out all the cool gear they have available for you right now at birdlandsports. what's the
5: specific about tampa when when you guys talk about being the next tampa like they,
0: what is they it about win tampa? without
6: spending money ah, like yeah. that's they're like a small market and yeah they're, they're
0: all their yeah. payroll's always in the bottom of baseball and yet they're always relevant and compelling and consistently
6: in the mix so like I, I, it's somewhat desirable. But yes, also it's, that's somewhat, exactly
0: somewhat it's It's not somewhat desirable. desirable, but there's then you're like you don't have to is be it in as the
5: simple b- as they're closest to where the best players are. No, no, not at all. Yeah. It's, their, it's their system.
0: It's their okay. that maximizing value. It's the the business. Like the like, but yeah, like philosophy. the farm
5: system. Yeah. Like they have, they are no, closest to the. No, it's their their way of doing
0: business. Is you're a hell of a player, but we could. We trade think, for three younger guys. We think guys. you're more valuable. To, we yeah. think instead, um, you know what's cooler than having one Chris Archer? Four Chris Archers. Potential yeah. Chris Archer. Right. We think that exactly yeah. what it is. Like, yeah. we think we can trade gotcha. you. And so they just constantly cycling so through
5: players. So n- they're like not star driven at all.
3: Like, no, I mean, to, they've had they've some guys, some
5: stars, a couple
0: of guys that have stuck around yeah. for a little bit They won't, they they
5: won't have a big free agent signing. No,
0: they'll it. never be the team that's. Now, they, you know, they they gave Wander Franco a bunch of money, like one of their own guys. They gave him a bunch of. A, a, a large sum of money. They but traded
6: for, the, for a 40-year-old Nelson
0: Cruz. I mean. Yeah, but they're not going to be the team that's ever going to be at the top of the free agent sweepstakes. They will never, ever be that team. They will never be the Padres. they are never going to hear the, the Rays, the Dodgers, and the Yankees are in on this no, guy. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. They'll take the guy that's at the back end of the free agent market and say, eh, there's an $8 million player that we think you guys are missing something on, and we think we can get that guy to, to David Sampson's point, be more like a $24 million player. So that's what they do, and again, some of those things sound really good, but also, you would, when you look around, there's three thousand people showing up to their games. Correct. So it's like it's a they, it's they have not cultivated a an emotional fan base or a connection part. There are other problems there. The stadium is a a hellhole. It's in the wrong part of town. It's literally thirty minutes away from Tampa proper. Like it's there's other issues that they have, but one of them undoubtedly is it's hard to fall in love with players if you don't know if they're going to be around. Like it's hard to constantly have the players change david's point is relevant i want you to root for the name on the front of the jersey jersey not the name on the back of the jersey i hear you i hear you but we also know we're conditioned to root for guys that have been around for a long time and to feel something emotional. the emotional connection this city had with adam jones is the perfect example of it because he wasn't cal ripkin he wasn't brooks robinson he wasn't a hall of fame caliber player he was a good baseball player but because he was committed to being here and he signed a contract and he liked it here and he embraced the city, we treated him like he was a Hall of Fame caliber player. We get emotional talking about Adam Jones despite the fact that he is in, with all due respect, no ways Eddie Murray. In no ways, you know, Frank Robinson. But we think about him that
5: You're way. You're right, though. Living living in the like just the DMV proper growing up here, I've always thought of adam jones as one of those top tier baseball players when i was growing up
0: and and he was a good baseball player it's so important like you you can't do that without being a good baseball player like if adam jones was ryan flaherty he wouldn't be that guy but adam jones was a good baseball player but there's you know like is ryan flaherty adam jones and then there's you know the 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 Cal ripkins the the historic the, player, the Ken Griffey Jr.'s of an era, Yeah, right? I guess the like, point
5: being, even when he was playing, there was probably a good amount of, he played outfield, correct? Yes, he was a center yeah, fielder. Yeah. there was probably a good amount of center f- fielders while he was playing that were better than him.
0: Right. As good, or if not yeah. better, yes, correct. But yet, because he was good and committed and part of the community and we knew he was around, we had a love affair with Adam Jones in this city. We treated him like royalty, despite the fact that he was not you know, they yeah. I, I, you keep using
5: Ken Griffey because it's just the center field concept, right? Like it's the comparison. Like Trout, maybe. I don't sure. I, mean, I, I think of someone. Like Trout, that, right. I think of someone. Well, kind of like compare like the same time, like someone that was in D.C. around that time, like Denard Spann. I know D.C. hated him. Yeah, but Denard
0: Spann like, was never anywhere near as good of a ball yeah. player as Adam Jones was,
3: right? Like Ad, again, it's, like it's really important to so say Adam Jones was an All-Star caliber player for a few years. Like he was a like he, there were
0: seasons where he was really good. But we just know that we also know the difference between Adam Jones and the best players of an era, right? Like Denard Span was, you know, more like here, right? Like he was, he wasn't
6: there. And compared to, like Ryan Zimmerman, I guess. Yeah,
0: that's not yeah. a bad comparison. Ryan Zimmerman was never a Hall of Fame caliber player. Right. Not, everybody always compared Ryan Zimmerman to Nick Marcakis, right? Like, just that type of guy. And Nick Markakis was not as beloved in Baltimore because, despite the fact that he stuck around, just because he didn't embrace the community in the same way. Like, you didn't see him out at he events. He did Oh, he was a, a recluse almost. Um, so he, we never had the – we liked Nick Marcakis a lot. And, like, the image of Nick Marcakis, you know, getting a little choked up the night they won the AL East is one of our favorite images because we just
6: never saw emotion from him in any way. Like, he was just so stoic. Um, yeah. but Nick Marcakis was always my favorite player growing up because I was left-handed. I played the outfield. He was left-handed. I, just the community and
0: then, did never had the same connection with Nick Markakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had and with then that, so yeah. I
6: went to a game up in Fenway uh, yeah. when I was like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like a long. There was a long delay. The Orioles came back and won. They beat the Red Sox. It was like 2012 or 13 when they were just starting to become good again. And after the game, Adam Jones tossed me his batting gloves over the dugout. Mm-hmm. and then I was like, yeah. oh well, I guess Adam Jones, my favorite player. I yeah, mean,
0: dude, <laughs> dude, it's gonna change. I was wearing
6: my Markakis jersey. Had to take it off. Famously, <laughs> and I've
0: talked about it a lot. The funny thing is, like you know. It, we had the whole hullabaloo last year with Adam Jones where he came on with Rita and I on the show. Um, and, and Adam and I have been good for a few years, right? Like we've been fine. But in 2012, we got into a huge fight, like a huge day before the season started. Like there were things said that I had to <clears throat> like later be like, all right, dude,
2: <laughs> you know, I, I went a little too far
0: there. Like, I mean, we were cool. Like, We ended up having a conversation about it, but it, it all started over something very stupid. Like he, in 2012, you got to remember, before the Orioles had a good season, it stunk. Right. And he, I was at WNST, and there was a relationship between WNST and the Orioles. It was the whole thing. And he took a shot at Luke Jones, who was a reporter at the time, that was just so wildly unnecessary. Like, just because Luke worked for WNST, Luke's like the nicest human that's ever lived. And I was so bothered by it in the moment that I was just like, dude, what? The? And I went off on a rant on On the air, like wh- what in the f, man! Like you can leave here in six weeks. You don't understand, like what the Orioles sucking has done to this community. Like you have no idea what you're talking about. I just went off, and of course, sure enough, not only did he not leave six weeks later, he resigned about six weeks later and committed <laughs> to staying. And the Orioles ended up being really good. And it maybe, but maybe we can thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think, just, I, don't think I don't think, I don't think that's, I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> but like. Adam got word that I was going off, and he started tweeting me, and it was like he was. There was a lot of name calling involved. I decided it would be more appropriate to 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 text him and be like, "Bro, I," I, and I remember feeling like my tough guy shoes that day. I'm like, "I'll meet you right now." I didn't think I was gonna fight him. I don't make that abundantly clear. He would have kicked my ass. But I was more like a man to man thing. Like, let's do this. Let's let's be in front of each other instead of on the radio or on Twitter, and. Frank and Nick's that night, like showed up and we had a conversation. He had some family in town and we were good. Like we we handled everything and he was like, man. I once he understood that it was just I was a I was angry about him calling out Luke because he just didn't know Luke personally all that well at that point. And I was like, dude, Luke is the nicest person you'll ever meet, like ever. So he's so nice that he won't leave a, a radio station that died a decade, decade ago. It doesn't exist and he's still there, like. That's how nice he is. He's so ungodly loyal. He's just the nicest human being that's ever lived. And so once we talked about that, he we we understood where each other was coming from, and we had, we were cool ever since then. But
2: yeah, I mean it was
0: it was like a day. There was a day where it was the predominant. Like I had to, I had to give quotes to the Baltimore Sun about it. it. Was a whole thing. I was like, this is so stupid. I don't want to do this. This isn't really about me. Like God. All right, it's 12:30. We gotta go. Tidbit. Uh, oh, do, I do, a, do I do a sponsor for Yeah, it? sure. Why not? Tidbit is, oh, I did Birdland Sports. That was the one. Yes. Uh, But why not? Baltimore yeah. County Police Department. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. Big uh, hiring event this Saturday at the Public Safety Building in Towson, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Written test, agility test, the entire application process. Uh, cadet salary started over $30,000 a year, entry-level officers over $60,000, um, lateral officers over $64,000, entry level and lateral officers, $10,000 $10, signing bonus available. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com.
6: Uh, Kansas got a win last night at TCU. It was their 11th. They're now 11-4 in the conference, uh, but it's worth pointing out that they now have won 10 or more games uh, in conference play for the 29th. Straight season since 1994, 1995.
0: And somebody would point out that's particularly amazing this year because like, the Big 12 is by far the best. Mm. But then I, it's always the awkward part to me with college basketball. Is the Big 12 really the best conference in all of basketball, or do we just predetermine they were the best conference in all of basketball so we value all of their wins, wins that much more because of it? I don't yeah. know.
5: I would say what, it was that because I mean, that happens in football. I think it happens yeah. everywhere. Well, I don't know. In the football we kinda always just say the SEC you is the best know, conference but it's in football. Very top, yeah. Literally. Like th- th- to your point exactly. Well, right, but but they in reality are. Like normally. But the in, rea- national champion in reality comes from the SEC. in the last couple of years it's been very top heavy. Whereas a yeah, lot okay. of other conferences that's are even more spreading. balanced. But
6: yeah, that's yeah, biting. Right, yeah, I mean, like so. What if we get all like we get Ken Palm, all the writers to collaborate before the season? Be like, okay, so the MAC is going to be. We're just going to say the MAC. Right. Yeah. Predict, every, time, every time every time Akron, be Akron beats really
0: Kent good. State, we're like, whoa, that's a great win. And yeah. then when Buffalo turns around and beat Akron, you're like,
6: wow, they just beat Kent State. They're all in the top twenty five. Yeah. Right.
0: I mean that's the, the Big Twelve this year. Everybody's just good, mm. and every every win we've just decided matters. And maybe maybe they really are that much better than everybody else. But I, I never know yeah. what to make of it. I was having this conversation with somebody. They're like, "Dude, is TCU really that good?" And I'm like,
6: "I I, I think so. I I think Mike like well, pretty good. Yeah, right. Like I, I when think. they're healthy, they're pretty, they're very. Good. I mean, that's every team when they're healthy. But I don't
0: I don't know yeah. enough about who they beat in non-con. I wasn't paying that much attention to TCU and non-conference to know like. All right, sorry, we're getting Find way lo- um, it's, it's 12.35, and we're that far into the woods.
6: Do you, uh, all right, so my trivia question is about Kevin Love. He's signing with the Heat. Uh, they need some three-point okay. shooting. They think they can bring that, and he's a big man that can shoot, so I wanted to do a tidbit about big men that can shoot. So these are guys that, over their career, I want the guys that have shot 33% or better from three. Um, there's six of them, including Kevin Love, so five. I'm looking for five more, and they average 10 rebounds a game across their career and shot 33% or better from beyond the arc. Dirk, not Dirk. Nah, the rebound is are the problem. Jokic, uh, not Yo- not Jokic. That's a little. surprising. Right, sorry, excuse me. Yes, Jokic. Thirty-four point eight. My okay. apologies. Not the only Nikola on the list either.
0: Is is there a chance that someone like Russ, who's not a big man, made not the, the list? Only
6: Nikola. Uh, no, not not v- Russ. V- 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 v-
0: yeah, v- no v- way. Yeah,
6: nope, Nikola what? Vucevic. Yeah, thirty-five percent from three across what? The
3: Yeah, that doesn't. He was built like. A brick. Yeah, but that's built like this table. Like that's the Euro guys. They all
0: shot, man. Oh, but
5: he couldn't lift his arms over his head. Oh, I believe
0: that. So you're saying you don't know how he got the rebounds? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Know. You don't really
5: oh, know. Vucevic. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? I'm center. thinking of Nikola Pekovic, oh, who played Maybe. with the Probably. Wolves. Probably. Okay. Vucevic, Vucevic is doing. on the Magic. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. On the and Vucevic Bulls. I think of as a natural shooter. shooter. Yeah. I think of him as a natural shooter. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Sabonis.
6: Uh, no, not Sabonis. Sabonis. The dad. S- Sadiq Arvidas,
0: no, okay, no, you're doing. I get it. You are doing Donatus and then Arvidas. Exactly. I understand the bit. Um, no sub bonuses.
6: Uh, Drazen or, Petrovic, no. Uh, are there more euros? Uh there is no more, no more euros. Okay, strictly right. centers, but uh, no, not strictly right. the centers. Guys
0: that okay. got that many rebounds. That's why like, I guessed Russell Westbrook because yeah. he does get a lot of rebounds. Um. How about how about Carl Anthony Towns?
6: Carl Anthony Towns is That's top this list because he shoots 39% from three. So he is number one. Embiid? Uh, Embiid. 34% oh. okay. from three. Embiid is on the list. What about uh, Pau Gasol? Not Pau Gasol. Uh, the mm. Big man. Big man. Yeah, big, big man. Big. Robert Ory. Not Robert Ory.
0: Uh all right give me something cuz it's 12 uh, 12, okay um it's
5: 12:37 <laughs> we t- uh,
6: played on the Kings and Lakers. Guy from the 80s. No, no more Euros, right? Yeah, yeah. He's
5: no more, more Euros. Euros. Yeah. Okay.
6: Uh, this guy played in the 80s. This is one guy from the 80s, won plenty of championships. Uh, and then this guy I don't think is any in the league anymore.
0: Anyway. Uh, yeah. was, was it Kevin McHale? Not Kevin McHale. Larry Bird. So Larry Bird. Yeah. Larry
6: Bird shot 37%. Well. Average exactly 10 rebounds. Yeah, I didn't great. know it
0: was that yeah. much. I mean, Larry Bird was, look, dude, whatever you want to say, Larry Bird was a hell of a basketball player, man.
6: Uh, and Last then, guy, shoots 33% from threes. Uh, I don't think he's in the league at the moment. I think he's in the More league recent. at the moment. Yeah, he's been with the Lakers kind of recently. Long-time Kings player.
0: Long-time Kings player. Oh, yeah. Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins, Yeah, yes. Boogie Cousins, absolutely. That does make sense. All right, very good.
6: Apparently, he's on the Nuggets right now. Okay. Oh, all right. I did not. Uh, maybe I did know that, actually. I know. He's, got, he's averaging nine points a game. Tidbit was
0: also brought to you by a local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Tubular is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. All of the best offers, sign-up bonuses, free bets, whatever it is, all available. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Tonight, uh, Maryland women take on Iowa. That means Caitlin Clark. So didn't go so well for Maryland on the road, but we'll see how it goes at home tonight, 8 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Uh, also, the CIAA tournament is underway right now at CFG Bank Arena. Um, games throughout the day, every day. They're all on ESPN+. Plus. I'm not going to bother reading through all of them because there's like eight games a day. Are you going to go to any of those? I want to try. Like, I really want to. Have it's, you been in the new? Uh, I, well, they, this is the first day that oh, anything's happened since they... I thought maybe they had like a concert or something. No, like they're like doing a, it. And this is it's a soft... Event. They're not opening the entirety of the arena yet. They are opening enough of the arena for the uh, tournament. Just the lo- lower bowl. I don't know if it's the lower bowl or like one side of the. I don't know exactly what they're doing yet. I saw some people sharing some videos this morning, but I would like to go. I would. I would like to go to DJ Cool's um, go-go party on Friday. Actually, I would like to do that at Ramshead, but. Um, I don't know just because of my schedule this week, but I, I would like to, yes. it's And I would like to see the arena, obviously, on top of everything else. But all throughout the week uh, today on ESPN Plus all day long. Maryland baseball, uh, their first home game, 4 o'clock against West Virginia on Big Ten Network Plus. Um, go to the college basketball. Indiana-Michigan State at 9 on ESPN, the one other Big Ten game. So you can find everything else at glennclarkradio.com. NBC Sports Washington, Red Wings Capitals at 7, ESPN Plus, and Hulu for Maple Leaf Savers at 7.30. Uh, CBS Liverpool and Real Madrid three o'clock in the Champions League also on Paramount Plus Eintracht Frankfurt and Napoli at three o'clock nice. in the Champions well League. Uh, the USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at eight as well. Non-sports highlights?
6: Really nothing. Only thing worth mentioning: Kimmel's going to have Wanda Sykes and RZA from the Wu Tang Clan I, on tonight. I do enjoy the
0: RZA. I know that much, and I enjoy the Wu Tang show as well.
6: Uh, Pink is going to be on Colbert along with Jonathan Majors for because
5: uh, Creed is
6: next. this week. No, it's uh, yeah, it's the, it's the final next, week. It's yeah, the first Friday week of March, and then Ant Man's out too. So. My, uh, Them
5: hosting the All Star Game sucked. Like Utah, uh, the. Uh, Michael B. Jordan And the other guy From oh. Cre- the new Creed I mean Jonathan no, Majors Major. yeah, Jonathan They were like hosting
6: it, like, it As like yeah, MCs or not, They were trying
0: really... to make Although you know what's funny I thought, I thought I yeah. thought I didn't know that Michael B. Jordan Was going to be a great fit. He was an excellent Saturday Night Live host He was mm. awesome
3: Well he I th-
5: They tried to do that For the, like the mo- the Monologue no, joking yeah, thing is it's like not, no. Dude you're on a stage Yeah, like, yeah that doesn't work That doesn't work of a lot of people That's what comedians do He was a great actor I mean he was a great
0: SNL host Like excellent they did a sketch where he played jake from state farm it's one of the best sketches that i've seen he was in some there time. as well uh, the, oh great wonderful state farm so, uh, so sorry i missed it. host of one of the events so sorry i missed you that. are sorry you missed it no, skills I'm not challenge there. uh hey gambling can be fun but you should set a limit stay within it remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services hey um Thank you for those of you that gave us good feedback. That was uh, very powerful this morning, having Brandon Novak in uh, studio. Seriously, go get his book, The Streets of Baltimore. Go to com right now. Um, incredibly powerful. This one belongs to Patrick Davis, who made a $100 donation to the Helping Up Mission, but uh, you can get your own again at brandonnovak.com. Awesome. I really appreciate him coming in this morning. Thanks also to David Sampson as well as to Patrick Stevens. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's so good! Radio dot com on the program tomorrow. Dan Williams, former Stevenson University quarterback, now a Super Bowl champion, as he was an assistant coach on offensive system two or three times. He was like an intern the first time, oh. so this is the first time oh, he was like a full time. Should count. <sighs> I think I'm gonna bet he says this one means a little bit more because he's now a full-time assistant coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, working offensively. It's a really cool story. Very like sick. his yeah. father was with the Eagles, and that was how he got connected with Andy Reid. And mm. like, you know, not a bad place to be. Not not bad. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll do that tomorrow morning. Also, Evan Drellich uh, is gonna join us. I forgot the. Winning at All Costs, I believe, is the name of the book. It's about the Houston Astros. It's about the cheating scandal, but it's also more backstory. And Mike Elias' name, of course, pops up, not related to the cheating, but in, in how the Astros became what they were. Mike Elias's name obviously pops up. Sigmund Dell's name pops up a lot. So we'll talk about that with Evan Drellich, as well as he's a national baseball writer for the Athletics. So we'll get his thoughts on John Angelus' comments and stuff and things. I guess Drew yeah. probably will stop by tomorrow morning and much more. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners. The Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Grade 8's memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialist, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. I'm going to get it wrong every time. At AP... Charles. At Charles. AP28. At Charles AP28. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. I don't know why I struggle with it so much. Uh, follow him. Follow uh, Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Maryland women. Duke sucks. Ohio State. No, I yeah, I didn't want to do oh, yeah, that right. anymore. Just that was, like, Duke. The first time. Did just that. Duke sucks.